The CC Way, episode 21, with my guest Andy Petronic. When asked what surprised him most about humanity, a monk answered, Man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money. Then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health. And then he is so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present, the result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die, then he dies having never really lived. This is The Sisu Way, a show about grit, gratitude, character, philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, guardian, and a mindful warrior with an open mind on a path of gratitude and service who loves to connect with unconquerable souls. And my guest is Andy Petronic, who can be described as a self-improvement junkie, a nut job, yes, a nut job, an early adopter, a tinkerer, a quick start and life explorer. He talks, he walks, he loves change, and he loves to work on developing and improving himself. He improves himself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and he lives his life based on the words of his grandfather, never stop learning, never stop growing. Now, the beginning of the show as in a couple minutes ago, I read a quote that normally is uh, attributed to the Dalai Lama. And I've given him credit before, but then I did a little research, and he's never actually on record uh, shown saying that in an interview or any written text anywhere. So that's why I changed it to a monk, if anyone's curious. And, and part of that... Uh, and I think part of the point I'm, I'm, I'm making here is with that is you got to question things and have a curious mind and look into everything. Just because it's on a meme somewhere doesn't mean it's true. Right. Right. Um, so one of the concepts that I found a long time ago and something I see in you and a lesson that I'd like to start the show with is the lesson of a beginner's mind and a curious mind, which I definitely see just streaming out of you. And for a long time, and I'm gonna get into that in a little bit. But Andy, you have a, you have a curious mind, you're, you're, I don't know what, almost half a century here, you've been on, you've been Good around. Good God! Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that sounds ancient. <laughs> you know what, it's wise. You know, if you depending on what spin you put yeah, on it. Totally. Uh, it's also something you get to do. It's an honor. Like a lot of people don't get to be at this point in their life. Right. And have the right. mindset that you do. So the concept of uh, Shoshin in, in Japanese Zen Buddhism is, it translates to a beginner's mind, right? Being curious uh, and being in, in, in the moment in awe, uh, in amazement and being there without judgment, uh, without understanding that you know everything because you don't. And so an example of that is there's a story. Uh, a professor went to visit a famous Zen master. And while the master quietly served tea, the professor talked about Zen. The master poured the visitor's cup into uh, cup to the brim. And, it, and of course, it kept pouring over. The professor watched the overflowing cup until he could no longer restrain himself. It's over full. No more will go in, the professor blurted. You are like this cup, the master said. 
how can I show you, how can I teach you unless you first empty the cup? And so a lesson I think we're going to get into here is, is you're, you're like an empty cup and that's what allows you to stay curious and keep looking for areas to improve on. You're constantly striving to, to do better and to learn a better way. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple other points is about Shoshin and having, having that, that mind is that it's kind of like having the mind of a child. And if you have a mind of a child and I know you're a father and, and so you see in your, in your son, a child is always learning and they're always having fun. They're not always, well, maybe at a certain point in time, they start turning to a little expert, but they have that, that freedom that a lot of adults lose. Yeah. And that joy and freedom to learn. Um, you know, that, that monkey is, has yet to hijack their brain with clutter and, and sometimes arrogance. So, um, there's like a hard question and that is who's to say that the way you originally learned something is the best way. And what if you simply learned one way of doing things, not the way of doing things. And so with that, just kind of question your thoughts, question your moments, um, be humble, always grow. You know, in the beginner, beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. And I'm not going to attempt to pronounce that guy's first name, but his last name is Suzuki. So assume that you were a fool. You are. Good. Knowing that is a privilege. Just a thought, guys. That's, that's quite an introduction. Well, it's a, it's a, it, it keeps coming up in a lot of the episodes I've done and some, some of the Instagram posts. I don't know. Maybe if down the line I'll actually do a full episode on it because I think it's important. On Shoshin? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the idea of it is really important because you can, you can be right. Here's a challenge. Let's put it this way. If you're listening to this, this is what I want you to do. The next time you're eating food, look at your spoon as if it's the first time you've looked at a spoon. I want you to look for something in that spoon that you've never noticed before. Hmm. What's the material look like? Is it shiny? How's it shaped? Who invented it? Is it long? How's the weight? What's the, what's the, uh, the, the, the taste of the metal or wood? How is that helping you eat? You can look at something as simple as a raisin in your hand. Imagine you're looking at a raisin in your hand for the first time. It's hard when something is that common to think of how to look at it as if it were the first time. Like the first time you saw a spoon was before I, well, first time I saw a spoon was probably before I can remember. So I, I have a hard time relating to what it might've been like that first time. But that doesn't stop you from actually being able to do it. Right. I can still do it. You don't need to remember. No, right. It's all about that moment and understanding something as simple as a raisin and looking at it with awe. Right. Or, and you can expand that to everything. You can exp- imagine, imagine looking, you know, at your son, right? And you're hearing him laugh just for a flicker of a thought, just for a quick second. Imagine he didn't make it, right? He's gone. Mm-hmm. He, four years old, car accident. Now you snap back into that moment and you look at, now look at him and hear his laugh. Huh? 
Yeah. All right. An instant lump in throat. Yeah. <laughs> but then now you're doing it something uh, uh, tremendously on purpose. Yeah. Now you're seeing that. Now you're in that exact moment. And now, you, like I do it, it's part of the reason why I'm always hugging and squeezing and wanting to cuddle my kids. I want to smell them. I want to feel their, their skin. Yeah. I want to smell the hair. And I'm not going to stop, guys. So <laughs> I don't care. I'll Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if it becomes awkward. But it goes to everything. So it also goes to appreciating the moments. It also goes to learning lessons. So even, even like if you were to teach me right now how to do an air squat, I'm really going to be into that. I'm going to pretend like I, I don't know how to do one. Yeah. Because I want to learn your perspective. If I come in there like an expert and I know everything, then I'm not going to learn anything. It, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I never really... Of all the self-reflection I do, which I do quite a bit, I never really um, nailed this <laughs> uh, about me. Mm-hmm. I I thought about beginner's mind, and I and I and I've always thought it's a great concept, and I always strive to have it. I never really it never really occurred to me that perhaps that is kind of who I am. And as I look back, I mean, just in the brief moment time you know Mm -hmm. five minutes that you introduce the concept my brain has been you know like connecting dots and i think about the things i've done in my life that have been the most meaningful and they've all come with that mindset they've all come with beginner's mind uh i don't really know another way to approach things (laughs) I mean, unless I'm arguing with my wife, then I, then I know everything already. Yeah. And no, but that's, it goes back to knowing that you're a fool, right? Right. right. And knowing that you can and mo- most likely are wrong. Right. And okay, being okay with that. Uh, another, another, well, first of all, there's also a reason why I'm talking about this right now. I'm not just talking about this because I'm doing a podcast. I'm talking about this because you're in front of me. Right, 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 and I see this in you. Right, and this is because of that is why I brought up this lesson. Yeah, um, your awareness of it is it wasn't a prerequisite. Yeah, right. So I pre- I appreciate I appreciate the perspective that's outside of the th- you know it's like a fish looking at the water and wondering mm-hmm. what the hell is this they don't even know it's there. I did I didn't it occurs to me like a fish like water occurs to a fish mm-hmm. like hmm, wow. Yeah, feel the water. Right. Pay attention. Look at how the how your fins glide through it. Look how you, they they create acceleration. Look how the water is creating life. Look how the water is like making you have the ability to breathe and have the ability to rotate and move and go upside down. Yeah. Um, those are all like unbelievable qualities. Here's another thing to do. I know I don't know where you guys listen to this episode. If you're in a car or office or wherever you are, don't tell them to close their eyes. No, no. <laughs> Just in but, case. <laughs> but to, to show that your perspective is limited, wherever you are, let's just say if you're, go home, go in your kitchen or your dining room or your bedroom, pick a room. Now get a chair and stand up on the chair and look at your room. It's going to look totally different to you and yeah. you're going to learn something different. You have an object, right? That object is 3D. You bring one perspective of the object. So you have to flank it. You got to rotate. You got to look at it from all different types of size and perspective. 
there, there's an exercise that they do at the landmark forum that, um, uh, that they, they put two people in chairs across from each other and they hold a mug up and the mug has a handle and it, on one side it's got a logo or something mm-hmm. written on it. And they ask the person on one side to describe the mug and then they ask the person on the other side to describe the mug and they sound like they're describing two different mugs because one, the handle's on the left, the other, the handle's on the right. One has this, you know, it looks like this image of a crown and a, and a king and a da-da-da-da-da and the other one's like, it's plain as day. One of them has lipstick on it, the other one doesn't. You know, they're two different mugs and they're really, so that's their point is mm-hmm. perspective is everything. So you have... You have the mug, right? And then you have two people who can argue about it. Because one, let's just say you're being closed-minded and you're telling me about your side. And I'm like, uh, no, it's, you know, say my side's black. Yep. And that doesn't make either one of us wrong. But in a way, it kind of does. And this is where the Shoshin comes in. If both of us have that, then we have the ability to listen to the other person, to, yep. to try and understand their perspective, yep. to be open to the possibility that you're wrong. And volunteer to be part of the, the solution. In fact, enable others to do the same thing. It's crazy how that works. <laughs> Super simple. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of passionate things and, and some of the awesome things that you've done in your life, because there's a bunch that I want to get to. Um, number one, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's your son. Oh, yeah. Now, this podcast comes with purpose, right? Uh, it comes with uh, meaning And so with that being said, I'm going to ask you kind of a hard question. That is, what do you want your son to know about his dad? There's some sense of finality that I get, right? When you ask that question, like tears came Mm -hmm. to my eyes. Um, I I, I swallowed them. (laughs) So your first question didn't didn't bring me to tears? No, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Let me talk about that, because I don't... That question isn't meant to do that. And again... No, it's, that's me. No, again, the, for me, you don't have to swallow tears. Let them go. Yeah, all right. Right? Because right. there's masculinity and being proud of your emotions. Yeah. You don't have to hold back. That's why I always say vulnerability is strength. Yeah. And... I've been around, and I know you have too, been around enough stuff of uh, how quick things can go, how, how fast people can die, how quick moments come and go. Yeah. And so that's what I mean, without purpose and actually doing something on purpose and with full heart, yeah. we might lose something that we, we, we didn't take full advantage of. So that's why I asked that. Do I say answer that question? <laughs> Well, now that we've laughed a little bit, it'll come, it might yeah. come a little bit better. But I say, you know, what do you want your son to know about his yeah, dad? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I want him to know that um, he lived with purpose. That he, I mean, I'm speaking as if I'm dead. So it, somehow that comes in, is coming naturally. I don't know why. Uh, that he lived with purpose. That he, that he, um, did his best always, you know, showed up and did his best that he took life on as a, as an adventure, each, each element of life on as an adventure and played full out each time. Um, that he loved life. He loved his family, loved his mom, loved him. 
um, that he was not perfect in any way, shape, or form. Um, that though he wasn't perfect, he always was doing his best to, you know, lead with the right foot or the right step. And even in moments of pain or anger or frustration, uh, he, he was doing the best he knew how to do in the, in, in the time at that time. One of the things I think, first of all, that feeling that you have is what that poster is. Memento Mori. Right. 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 And I have it up there for that reason. And to keep reminding me that this can all go away very fast. Right. And so to be clear on the purpose helps. Right. That's why, you know, that's why I took a screenshot of your post on um, Instagram. Excuse me while I pull this up. And you said, do you have the time or energy at the end of each day to show up as your full self with your family? using your creativity and being respectful, patient, kind, and helpful? Or are you just giving the people that are the most important to you in your life the leftover scraps? So, you know, I, I, another exercise that I, I have people do is, is imagine you're like 85 years old and everyone that you loved is, is gone. Your body starts failing you. You can't even read your phone anymore. You can't recognize the person in front of you. You can't hear very well unless someone's screaming at you. You can't even go to the bathroom yourself. You can't get up out of your chair without help, possibly using a walker, which is hard to do because you have arthritis and diabetes in your hands. Uh, you're wearing a diaper. You don't know what's on the TV. You can't even change the channel. Can I hire a Kevorkian at this point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to be done. Uh, walking down one step takes a lot of effort and energy. It's probably the hardest thing you do all day. And you're sitting there alone. And all of a sudden, zap, you come back to this point in your life. And you feel the way you feel. You can do pull-ups. You can go frolic. It's like the movie Cocoon. A little bit. Remember that movie? Yeah. You can go jog. Yeah. You can go, you know when you cross in the street and you see a car coming and then you kind of hustle to get out of the way and kind of hop up the curb? Yep. You need, you can't do that anymore, right? You can't play frisbee at the beach. You can't get, you know, you couldn't get off the toilet anymore by yourself, right? And now all of a sudden you have those abilities. You can get out of the car, just rotating your head, legs, and getting out of the car, and now you have the ability to do that. So, I am not perfect at all, at all. I always say like you have the, like the path, right? The path of walking the path of life, right? Whatever that path is to you, but it's not a straight line. You zigzag and go off the path a whole bunch. Yeah. No one's perfect, right? And uh, you just, it just always come back to it. Come find it and get back on. Like sometimes I get home and sometimes I just want to hop down and go through my scroll. And let's say I haven't seen my kid all day. I say hi and I sit down and just want to veg out. I got to recalibrate myself. Yeah, right. Constantly recalibrating yourself. And especially if you have a spouse or a friend or a buddy to help you recalibrate. If they're helping you recalibrate you to get back on your path, keep them in your life yeah so it's a good point so that being said um what do you do with that when you put somebody in that scenario what do you ask them did you say that was what was the was that a, a helpful way to recalibrate like what's meaningful to you and what like what's your purpose um some people need it more than others yeah there's a lot of different exercises for it 
but the, I think ultimately it's for me it's a reminder to start to live on purpose yeah appreciation comes up for me when I think yeah. of it like wow and sometimes I'll I do this like four times a week I see someone and I'll say hey don't forget to enjoy your day and they look at me like <laughs> right. oh yeah right I'm like, yeah, oh yeah. Right. It's like you're at Disneyland right now. <laughs> it's right. Totally. Right. Like, go look at the tree. Go feel the breeze. Right. Or not, or be angry. That's up to you. So, a lot of it is kind of waking up. Yeah. Oh, what, I oh. like that. Yeah. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Yeah. Don't be a drone. So, by the way, uh, the intro that I use, I use from uh, the whole life challenge.com, which is fantastic. Reading. Just if we were to go here and just talk about your bio for the rest of the show, we'd need chapters. <laughs> Absolute I've chapters. Yeah, like I've for one, I did not know about you uh, that your parents were both classical musicians, yeah. and that you can rock the trumpet. I I can do it now for about three minutes. I can rock it, and then my lips. You know, it's kind of like doing bicep curls yeah. or snatches. You know, when you're doing them. Regularly, you have the endurance. The sphincter muscle on the face gets tired. It's called the embouchure. The embouchure. The embouchure. <laughs> See? <laughs> no, sphincter. Yeah, I'm not familiar. If I had up. known it was called the sphincter back in the old, I probably would never put <laughs> the, the same trumpet. muscles above all. <laughs> <laughs> Looks the same. Um, but uh, yeah, so I can rock it still for about three minutes. And so going, to, going through this, I, the way I perceived it as you've had a whole bunch of stuff that has bumped you in the right direction. And sped you up. So the way I, I had this image come to my mind looking through your bio. It's like like life is a bowling alley and you're you're aiming for the pins and trying to get a strike. But the but the bowl the, 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 the lane keeps on going. It keeps ever expanding. So as the ball starts to kind of move toward a gutter, you don't have gutters, you have gigantic bumpers in your gutter. Like the kids get to play with. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, got yeah. big old bumpers, yeah. but not only stops the ball from guttering but also speeds it up in, the, in another direction. And so you're bink, bink, mm-hmm. and, and trying mm-hmm. to after go after these strikes, yeah. after the pins. And it's so, funny because a lot of times I describe my life as stumbling, like stumbling forward, and, and people are like, you can't say that. Like, um, that just doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound right. And I'm like, well, in my brain, the way I connect the dots, I feel like I'm stumbling, like I stumbled on CrossFit. I didn't, yeah. it, I, there was no big huge master plan that I had to do CrossFit. It Maybe was, say like, it's like my life is like bowling with bumpers. <laughs> it's right. I like that. It's good. And so some of the stuff, uh, I wrote them down. Obviously you had, you had music, right? Yeah. I mean, for literally for the first 18 years of my life, I didn't really know much of anything else. I, I did a little bit of swimming. I did a little bit of soccer. I got cut from the, I tried out for the boys basketball team when I was in seventh grade and I was the first kid cut. Um, I stopped trying to play basketball after that. And, uh, so yeah, it was pretty much just music and playing all over, all over Maryland, East coast. I was in the all Eastern band and orchestra. I was, um, then I was starting to gig and play gigs. I was play, I played in a quintet and a wind ensemble and orchestras and And what instruments just trumpet, all of this trumpet. And it was all classical. I didn't do, that's a big regret. You know, like I think of the freedom that I experience now with, say, Beginner's Mind and starting fresh. And I didn't have that then. There was a there was a lot of my personality that was wrapped up in being good. 
and I needed to be good. I needed to prove that I was good. And um, I wasn't willing to, it would have, it would have been a, a tremendous dip in my capacity as a horn player to start improvising and start like trying to even read jazz music, like the rhythms and the way it's written on the page. And, um, you know, my, my freshman year of high school, I was the first chair solo trumpet player in the, in school. So I, I just wasn't prepared to go to a gutter ball, you know, at mm -hmm. that point. And, uh, so I never did. And that was, that was probably a, a, a bummer that I didn't. You should start playing again. Just for the sake of doing it, because you can and enjoying it, and start over again as a beginner. I tried that once. I, I hired a jazz teacher, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't find myself practicing. Have you done it on a unicycle? Yeah, no, that's a new, <laughs> that's a whole new thing. <laughs> that could be a thing. Trumpet on the unicycle. <laughs> my wife is would throw me out of my house. <laughs> the, tr the trumpet. The, one of the things that I never really liked about the trumpet. Um, in spite of the fact I did like it, was it, it's not a community instrument. It's not an instrument people huddle around and you know you play a tune with other people. There's no participation. Mm. They they listen to you play, or you're in an orchestra and you're performing for them. Um, and you know since restarting and then stopping, I bought a guitar. The guitar is much more in alignment with who I feel I am now because I can do it in support of other people. I can do it and accompany other people. I can do it and accompany myself. Yep. You know, it's not just a, it's a rhythm instrument. You know, it's funny because I listen to guitar and I don't really have any interest of playing licks, you know, playing like, like stairway to heaven or some of the t typical, um, you know, guitar, famous guitar stuff. I just want to play chords. I just want to play the background and let, let, let people like, I want to play folk tunes and, and, um, uh, you know, fun stuff like that so that people can sit around the campfire and enjoy the enjoy by participating, not by watching me perform. Yep. yep. You know, I also think maybe sitting there playing the guitar when you're doing that, you're really in that moment. Yeah. When you're playing guitar. You're not thinking about, you know, next week's podcast. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's effing hard. I mean, I, when I first got it, I thought, ah, this is the instrument everybody plays. When you're in high school, everybody, if they don't have an instrument and they're required to, to music, they play guitar. So I, I had this conception that guitar is easy. And so I got the guitar and I thought, ah, oh, I'll buy a book. I'll buy a beginner's book. I'll, you know, I'll whip this up. I know how to read music. I know how to do all this stuff, you know, piece of cake. <laughs> I, I literally, it wasn't, it was so much not a piece of cake that within about a month, the guitar sat in the corner and I didn't pick it up for like three years. And then I got a teacher and started to do it. See, I played the clarinet when I was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. I gave it a shot. And then I remember sitting playing it in the music room in school and just catching the sound of kids at recess playing. And then I remember looking at the, the, the clarinet, listening going, I'm done. <laughs> That's it. I broke it down, put it in my box, totally. and made a complete decision. Like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Right. <laughs> like, so, right. I'm kickball here. I come. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I'm really fascinated with 
music. I feel like that's part of your brain that f- like that that like develops, or someone that can read and play music and multitask, or in that sense, is fascinating to me. Yeah, I could just sit there and just watch and be like, "How? Oh, it's amazing." I'm like, I like to watch somebody do something that's completely foreign to me, and I don't understand it. I'm like yeah. sitting there just in awe. Yeah, it, it's a different language, you know. Yep. Like I never really looked at it that way before, but it's a completely different language, and um, it taps into a creative side. Even if you're not improvising, it taps into creative side and a conceptual, not a perceptual side. Where because you have to, if you're a good musician, you have to be listening. You can't just play. the 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 the, the musicians that are not as good, that are developing not as good, they tend to only listen to themselves not in relation to what's yeah. going on in the room, not sensitive to what's going on in the room or the other musicians playing. And if you want to be really good, you have to, you're constantly correcting what you're doing and correcting the, the intonation and, and um, listening to what's going on around you. And um, yeah. How do you go from the trumpet to the Marines? <laughs> Done a lot of thinking about that. And I think I was looking for uh, a... I, I grew up. I grew up a lot of a lot of my childhood without my dad. My dad was a, my dad was an alcoholic. He was, you know, this big, kind of famous in the county that I lived in. Orchestral conductor started two orchestras, was the superintendent of music in the county. And, but he's an alcoholic, and he was a womanizer, and he, you know, flew around about town. And, and was always busy with work and with his students and with his stuff. And I never really saw him. I mean, in spite of all, you know, his son was a great musician. I don't really have an experience that I remember sitting down, him sitting down with me when I'm playing and like coaching me, helping me, listening to me, nothing. Like he might've been listening. Maybe he was in the living room and he heard it, but, um, and I think the Marines to me represented two things. Number one, they re- represented dad. Like here's a set of values and, and way of being that I could grab onto and like learn how to be a man. I, don't, I didn't make that consciously. Yep. Um, and then the second thing was, oh, it just blew out of my head. The trumpet to the marine, and organization drive something different. Team. Oh, I remember. Yeah, it's it represented coolness. Like people looked up to marines, and my experience of trumpet is my friends made <laughs> fun of musicians. You know, I was the band geek, and in spite of being the principal trumpet player and. You know, we would do marching band things at football games where I was the featured soloist and I'd go out in front. And in spite of all the accolades, I was the band geek. And I thought of myself as the band geek and I thought of myself as the less less than. Um, and the Marines, my experience of Marines was, well, I was Navy when I first went and got my RTC scholarship. And then I switched to Marines after my second year because they represented the best of the best and the cream of the crop and the, and the, the service that everybody looked up to. And that's really what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted people to look up to me. 
I wanted to be able to look up to myself. Uh, by the way, I just want to say this on record. I absolutely love marching bands. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that when you were growing up? Absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I, I remember playing, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, Paul Kai, when I played high school football, uh, like the marching band made it for me. Wow. That experience would not be, I wouldn't have the memory or the feeling that I have now if it wasn't for the marching band. I almost am thankful that I didn't know you then if you had told me that because I probably would never have been a Marine. I probably, who knows, my whole life would have been changed. If you, had you been oh my, my friend yeah. and told me how awesome you thought my spats and my plume were. Oh my, my, I love spats. <laughs> <laughs> I just wore some recently to like I this feel, old, old 20s uh, casino party. You. <laughs> Jesus. Love it. <laughs> Dude, I remember sitting in and and at my high school and like one of my first like varsity games. I was a sophomore suiting up playing varsity, and the marching band came in to the locker room. It was kind of big. They stood on top of the lockers. The top of the lockers were flat. Uh-huh. They got on top of the lockers, climbed up there, and then now enclosed room. And the next thing I they hear, let is, it loose. I hear this ticket, 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 doom, 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 and then the whole like band lit up the locker room with music. Wow. Wow. That's cool. And I'm pretty that's sure cool. that's when I started puberty. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. I, I, you know, I, it's funny because now I think back, or I don't think back, I look at what other bands do and I freaking love it. Like I listen to a drum and bugle corps. It's amazing. Yeah, it's and I awesome. listen, watch YouTube videos and it's amazing. And the, I always wished I'd played the drums because for some reason I had drums as cool and trumpet as not so cool. And the drum lines when they have a you know three tom toms and they're and they're doing the sticks and they're going yep. from one to the other and that that guttural yeah it's primal there's a primal rhythm yeah yep. the, dr- the drumming brings I I love that yep yep and they played like word up anyways I still love it I still have those tunes in my head to this day hmm. and every now and then jump on YouTube and I you know I go down that whole tunnel yeah right so thank you okay <laughs> it's awesome it's cool ah that's cool um. And one of the big things I actually want to get into is because I'm super curious about this stuff uh, and I'm, I'm envious of it and I feel like it's something I need to get my butt into and that is outdoor racing mm-hmm. and some of those eco challenges that you did. Yeah. Uh, in addition to having a physical challenge and something difficult to face, some adversity, you're also out in nature. Yeah. So it seems like, it, I don't know if I wasn't exposed to it or how this happened that I made it this far in life and I haven't done something like that. So I'm fascinated by it. Maybe not to the level of like the 350 mile ones or right. But uh, you know, can you tell me about that and how that got started? Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I think that was a continuation of proving myself. You know, like it was a continuation of operating system. It was after I got out of the Marines. It had been four years since I was a Marine, three years, and uh, I had done some stuff. I climbed Mount Rainier. I had done some mountain What's biking. That? Mount Rainier, yeah, uh, the mountain. In, it's a volcano in in near Seattle. Oh, yes. It's a very accessible high peak, fifteen, fourteen thousand feet. It's got a perma a perma perma glacier on the top, so it's real mountaineering. And uh, you know, I'd done that, and um, I was, I saw a TV show with this race called the Raid Galois, which was a French version of the Eco Challenge. And Mark Burnett was on this team that did the Eco Challenge, that did the Raid Gawaz, and they were in Borneo. Actually, I think I saw that show. God, 
That might have been while I was still in the Marine Corps. And I always thought that would be awesome to do. How cool would that be to, you know, go out there and just be racing and competing as a, I always loved land navigation. So, um, and I was good at it. So I just thought that would be, that would be ultimate. Is that different now with satellite imaging and Google Maps? They don't let you use that. Usually they don't let you use any sort of electronic device or GPS or anything else. And they didn't then either. Can you describe that? Is it like, okay, here's a flag. Go find the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're sitting in your garage and you would, they would give you, have you ever used uh, UTM coordinates on a map? So on all USGS topographic maps, whether whatever scale they are, they have UTM coordinates and they have satellite lat lawn. The UTM are more useful for land navigation because they're more um, they're more regular, and the grids usually are, are are printed on the maps. And every, literally down to the like ten meters or hundred meters, has a coordinate associated with it, and it's a UTM grid coordinate. And what's the UTM stand for? I think it stands for Universal Transverse Mercator. Wow, which is the the way the maps, the way, I think it's the way they took these, um, they took the globe that's circular. It's more than circular. Alleg- it's, allegedly. It's spherical, right? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and they flattened them out, right? They flattened the map. So how did they do the projections? The, 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 that, the UTM is a version of the way they do the, the, the create a flat map. It's why on a flat, typical flat maps, uh, Alaska looks so big. It's not as big as it, or is it small? I don't remember. Or Greenland. Like the northern states, they, get, they, they, they become distorted on a flat map. They become, they look, I'm pretty sure they look bigger than they actually hmm. are in real life compared to the other states and the other things we do. So um, you get this grid coordinate and, you know, I would give you the eight digit or 10 digit grid coordinate and it's, you would have to find it on your, you'd have to find the right map, first of all, and then you'd have to find it on your map and plot it, assuming you did all that right. You would then know where your next checkpoint was. And then you'd be like, okay, team, we have to, you'd, you'd, then you'd scout a route and you'd, you scouting on the map, not scouting in life. You'd look at the map and you'd go, okay, there's a river and there's a draw and there's a finger and there's, and there's uh, roads and tunnels and you know, man-made things, natural things. There's a cliff. We want to avoid that, obviously. We have to go around a canyon because we don't have any rappelling or rope gear. Um, and you plan a route and then you head out. And you have to, you know, in adventure racing, you've plotted... 20, 30, 40, 50 of these checkpoints. And then at the beginning of the race, you're, uh, you are planning. You're, you and your team sit down. It's very stressful because they usually give you these grid coordinates at the 24 hours before the race begins. Mm-hmm. And they, they say, okay, you got 24 hours. And 24 hours if you're lucky um, to both plot all your points. And you have to do those right. If you plot your points wrong, you're really screwed. Because then you're going to the wrong place. How many people are on the team? Um, usually four, sometimes five. And are those people, are you guys agreeing on who's carrying what? Usually, yes. I mean, usually you've done training enough together that you know who the strong people are, who are the weaker, not weaker, but the the load bearers versus the non-load bearer. Like, I would assume if you were on my team that you'd be bearing load. Uh, <laughs> hey, you just tell you me where to go. A, you're a good load bearer. 
Um, you want to try to keep fresh the people that have to do the navigation and do the thinking for the team. And you assume that hopefully you have a backup navigator so that the navigator has someone to bounce their thoughts off of, you know, if they're not 100% sure or they're sleep deprived and they're trying to plot points and pick routes and determine azimuths and stuff. Um, uh, and that goes back to earlier what I'm saying. If you have a friend that's going to check you and put you back on your path, it's really important in life. It's really important. Yeah. It's and really also to, see, to seek uh, uh, some, some disconfirming information. Otherwise, yeah. you might go up to a cliff and then voice it a day. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it happened. That didn't happen. But when I was in the British Columbia Eco Challenge, we we had been given a map. This was one of the this was one of the traps that the organizers of the race had included. If if they didn't, there was some instruction that the support crew had to follow to get our maps. And when they got our maps, they didn't do them to the letter. They didn't follow them exactly to the letter. And so instead of be these nice color maps that, and color really makes a big difference on a map because you see water, you see, you see forests uh, and trees and vegetation and you see open areas and you see, there's a lot you can tell from the color and it makes it very easy to glance at the map and know what you're looking at. Well, instead of getting these nice color maps, we got these black and white, like Xerox copies of the map. And so... And we, we got behind for, there are a lot of reasons we got behind, but we got behind and we, we went on this tear because we were a pretty strong team once we're, we have our, we had our shit together and, uh, we went on this tear where we went for about 36 hours straight and we had started with this climb up of a, like a 5,000 foot, no trail, just like switchbacking our way up this thing, like four or 5,000 feet. It was massive. And at the top, it was a glacier. There was a, it was all glaciated. And so we had to put on crampons and, you know, hike this thing. But this is this 36 hour period where we were just passing teams left and right and making up all this ground and the nav, we were right on target on navigation. And when I plotted the course, I plotted it with a blue ink pen. And at like two in the morning or three in the morning, I looked at that plot and I thought, okay, well, that's a, river because it's blue and it's our course so we'll just follow this river because that's our course and you know i i missed the fact that the river we really wanted to follow veered off to the right and the river we didn't want to follow went straight and uh you know we didn't turn we literally were 90 degrees in the wrong direction we went through these swamps and bogs, and these are cold swamps and bogs because it's in British Columbia. And uh, I mean, it was miserable. It was we had we'd run out of food. We had, and we ended up like five or six miles in the wrong direction. I kept looking at my compass, going, you know, the old story, like always trust your compass because the compass is always right and mm-hmm. you're wrong. And I knew that. I've had experience with that. I was a, I went through Navy dive school. I, you know, like I did underwater navigation, and I fell into the trap. This fucking thing, this compass. I start banging the compass. The compass is not reading this right. And I just went into this fog of shit. Like, what's wrong here? And I'm like, I just keep going, guys. I know we're in the right place. Just keep going. We'll 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 break out of this. And uh <laughs> we finally stopped moving and it at, at dawn, I was able to do a a um triangulation. Like I was like, okay, well, what peak is that? And where must we be based on our azimuth and our heading and the direction that the, the water's flowing in the river? And uh, I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> here's where we are. <laughs> and we were literally, we were supposed to be over here and we were over here. Had we gone right, we would have been at our, at our transition area where we had supplies and food and all this stuff. And we were literally, you know, out here and my, our female teammate was at that point, she had spit up some blood. She was not doing well. She was dehydrated and we had nothing. Um, and so we just hunkered down. We, we actually broke out the radio and said, Hey, we need evacuation. The radio didn't work. So we had no way to call anybody and they weren't looking for us because we weren't even close to being on course. So we lit bonfires and we, all right. So hold on a second. I have so many questions. (laughs) There's that moment, right? Where reality sets in. How do you address the team? Like, uh, so, Hey guys, (laughs) (laughs) I got good news and I got bad news. I don't really remember that moment. Uh, is the walk back? Is everyone just going, thanks, we Andy? Got, we got helicoptered out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dude, we were like shipwrecked, like Gilligan's Island, for a good 36 hours. We were just stuck. We couldn't, we started rationing our food. We were like, are we ever going to get found? And, oh, okay. uh, you know, they, they, it's funny because I know the guy, Jonathan Dennison, was the uh, course director, and he tells me the story like of looking for us and then finding, finally finding us. They didn't start looking because we weren't that far behind. And actually, we had been ahead. You know, we had been doing really well. And uh, when he found us, he had spotted a grizzly bear, like right down the river, right downstream from where we were, like quarter mile away. And they'd saw it, they'd seen it when they were bringing the helicopter in. And so he's like, "Yeah, I'm just glad we found you when we found you, because God knows, you know, not that the grizzly bear will necessarily eat you, but they're not, they're not the friendliest bears in so, the world." So, what lesson did you take from that? Trust your fucking compass. (laughs) (laughs) I already knew. I, you know, just, you know, the fog of the moment just took over, and we we were doing so well. I was so confident. We'd been hitting checkpoints. My team was, um, just shocked. We'd go through these barren stretches of nothing, and then we'd come up over a little hill, and boom, right online. There's the there's the checkpoint. Like it was, I was kind of amazed. Like holy shit, this shit works, and I'm pretty good at it. Did you learn that in the uh, Marine Corps? In the Marines, yeah. They, they put you through, when you're an officer, they put you through the basic school, which is a, a leadership and officer-based six-month school that is, uh, it's the equivalent of boot camp, kind of. I mean, I went through OCS, which was, that was really officer boot camp. Yeah. But, but the basic school was more like, okay, we're going to teach you all the shit you need to know so that when you hit the fleet, you're not learning from corporals and lance corporals and you know people about weapon systems and communication and land navigation because your job as the lieutenant really is to is to like one of your big jobs is land navigation that's fascinating why do you stop stop adventure raising uh i think i had never completed a full i did four and i never completed one with a full team the first one i did me and my butt my other buddy who's a Marine, we were stubborn enough to finish ourselves. Our teammates dropped out and for various reasons. And um, he and I linked up with three other guys and we, we ended up finishing, but you know it wasn't with a complete team. And then British Columbia, we didn't finish. And then Australia, I went and did a short race. I did a, we did a four, like a 48-hour qualifier for the, the only qualifier the Eco Challenge ever did, and we won it. We took first place and it was fantastic. 
And it was where I met Rebecca Rush, who now is like world famous for adventure racing and cycling, like her endurance cycling. She's unbelievable. She's a Red Bull athlete. And, um, but I basically got her to start adventure racing and got, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know if she'd appreciate me saying I taught her how to mountain bike, but I got her on a mountain bike and then I ridiculed her enough that made her like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to learn how to do this. <laughs> and, um, uh, and it's funny now. She's like this incredible pro mountain biker. It's really cool. Those, are, those races are expensive, right? Yeah. They, <laughs> that's another funny story. I, I heard about the first eco challenge that I was going to, that I, I heard somebody talking about it on the radio and this is before the internet. I mean, this is in 1995. There was no internet. There were no websites. And, uh, I don't know if, I think I called the radio station and I called the guy. They dude, he was look, looking for more teammates and I, and I called him and I thought, I don't really remember. I don't remember his name, but after talking to him, I thought, why would I want to be on his team? He should be on my team. And uh, I got the number to the Eco Challenge office, and I called him up there in Burbank, and uh, I drove there. I'm, I'm just looks like, yeah. And I and I, I met Mark Burnett. I met uh, Brian Turkelson, who was the co-founder, or I don't know if he's co-founder or just the CEO or something. And uh, they had one spot left for a team, and I'm and I wrote him a ten thousand dollar check. I was in sales at the time, so I had I had the money. I didn't. I wasn't thrilled about paying 10 grand. Like I wasn't planning on never getting reimbursed. Uh, but I didn't know how I was going to get reimbursed. I didn't know if anybody would, who would do it with me. And I just wrote the check. I'm like, I'm in. Save my spot. Wow. And then I met my other teammates, my buddy, my Marine buddy, who he was like, okay, I'm into. He had a good advertising job. And so he had some money. And, um, and, but then we found a guy who had been in that first race with Mark Burnett years before that I'd seen on TV, he was in that race His Michael Carson. And he and I were friends, still friends to this day. And he had a sponsor. Ex officio became our sponsor. And so I got all my money back. It was, what? it was, un- it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. What are you wearing in those races? Like- uh, as I got further along, like a little more advanced, it, it's really spandex. Like spandex is like a miracle. It's like a second skin that just protects you from everything. It makes you feel, it feels good to wear. Uh, you know, like there's a picture that my wife likes to make fun of, of me wearing these, we did tie dye uh, spandex pants and I'm the only one wearing them. Like, I don't know if my other teammates didn't like them or they thought <laughs> they look queer, but uh, I wore these tie dye spandex pants. Yeah. And, and it, the only time that I would wear anything else was if it was too cold you know, and you needed some other insulation or something else. But do you have like walking sticks? Yeah, we would carry sometimes. Sometimes you'd carry, you change things. Yeah. So if you're in a canoeing leg, obviously you don't need a walking stick. Um, but it, walking sticks were really good to have if you were, uh, if somebody was, you know, struggling. And like it can take, it can take the load from your legs and bring like 30 or 40% of the load into the arms. Um, oh. Yeah. Would you, would you be up to doing another one? I wouldn't want to do a long one. Like what happened after I stopped doing the long ones was I started doing the short ones. Well, how the, long are the short ones? Like three to four hours. Oh, okay. It's like a marathon. It's like a marathon for slow runners, you know, a, a double marathon for fast runners. Um, kayaking. Um, nav- it's like a Spartan race is today. It's probably a little longer than a Spartan race yeah. is today. But the Sp- Spartan racing came out of Spartan or 
obstacle racing came out of adventure racing and adventure racing was team-based three or four people on your team I, we got sponsored by red bull I, I became really good at these short races like we were team red bull was always in the top nah, top three to five of the teams that finished these races and um that was really my that was where i really excelled and i wasn't ever the best or fastest athlete i was really good at navigation and i was really good at the special obstacle tests like getting through shit that nobody else knew how to get through being calm in the face of adversity you know getting over things or through things or taking your bike apart when you didn't know you were going to have to take your bike apart and solving puzzles and i'm um, fascinated by this and now now you know the real reason you're on the show <laughs> <laughs> looking for teammates yeah. asshole no, I thought, uh, it just seems like um it's it's intriguing to me and challenging so yeah. i'm interested in it so. yeah it's kind of like unicycling for me that is how'd that go it's still in progress you know it's i turned a corner it took five like months. an actual corner well yeah that, yes and yet yeah, and and a figurative corner too uh it took I don't know if you know this part of the story. I quit. I did it for about three weeks and then I quit. And I literally, the unicycle sat in the trunk of my car for a year. And I, I had decided that I was too old, that it was too much for me. Like I, I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom how to figure out how to do this. I mean, I was doing it every day for 20 to 30 minutes and fall, 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 fall. I mean, and then fall, 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 fall just nonstop. And uh, I, I got to the point where I could go from my driveway to the, ne to the neighbor's driveway. And that was a huge accomplishment. And then I was like, I, I, I just, I'm never going to get this. I'm just not going to get this. And I sat in my trunk. And a year later, one of my employees said to me her goal for the year was to jump rope like, like Buddy Lee or like um, she said, Floyd Mayweather. I'm like, that's a cool goal. Like, wow, I'm, I'm inspired by that. I wonder what I could do that would be like that. Because I need something like that, that, you know. And then it freaking hit me like that hammer, like the unicycle. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I doubled down. Like, for me, there's a thing about money and spending money on something that like, anchors my commitment, like the 10 grand for, mm -hmm. the, for the Eco Challenge. So I went on unicycle.com and I bought a $700 unicycle. It was red. It was way more than I needed. It had a brake on it. I didn't even know what the hell a brake is for, you know. Um, Where is it? It's for. It's on the seat, and it's a disc brake, and you use it when you're going downhill. It's a downhill. It's a mountain unicycle is what I got. Nice. And you use it when you're going downhill to, if you don't have a brake on a mountain unicycle, this is in theory, yeah, by the way. Yeah, I've yeah. never done this. But you, you have to slow down with the muscles of your legs because it's direct drive into the wheel, and the only way to slow down is if you don't have the brake is with your with your leg muscles. So you use this to to um, temper yeah, the yeah, makes sense. The, the the difficulty. But I never got to that point. I still am not to that point. Um. So I bought this unicycle and I got it and I and I then I, I decided to shift things just a little bit. I I decided I wasn't going to put a time frame on when I was going to get it by, and I wasn't going to practice for more than ten minutes. Like it doesn't matter how well it's going or not well it's going 10 minutes done and i watch a whole bunch of youtube videos and i started doing that and it took about five months four or five months and i i to the point where i felt like okay i i can do this and I, it's not that i can't get better but okay now i can do this and now i can 
um, there's hope. <laughs> and then I bought another unicycle. I thought my son would want to try it. And fortunately, I got one that I could also ride, like a smaller wheel, so yeah. I could do more stunt. Like, I'd, like the next thing up for me would be to learn how to hop up a curb, you know, or down a curb and not feel like I'm going to kill myself. I haven't mustered up the courage to do that yet. I'm gonna, I want to tie something tie something together also uh, uh, for me to you and also for the listeners. And that is, you don't, I don't think you realize this, but you've been a teacher of mine for a long time. And one example of that is you've taught me how to air squat. You've taught me how to handstand. You've taught me how to handstand walk. You've taught me how to do pull-ups correctly. You've taught me how to breathe correctly. I could go on and on and on. I barely... I mean, I can count on one hand the number of times I actually interacted with you in person over the years we did CrossFit. Like, we didn't see each other that much. So what I did was, I pay attention. That's like a thing that I do, and I I find something, and then I think, you know, I'm going to use that. So what I used was, a long time ago, when you were doing that, um, accumulating 10 minutes at the bottom of your squat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And this was like, I don't know, almost like the beginning of social media. Yeah. Kind of, or, um, which I felt you were a pioneer in, at least in my small, like, CrossFit world. It was in 2009. It was in Yeah. I remember, because yeah. I remember you, even at the games when they moved, the first year they moved to uh, Carson, mm-hmm. and you were in the stands tweeting, like, stuff from the games, yep. like, stuff that was yep. going on. Yep. And that, that was, like, part of the reason I even paid attention to Twitter. You were like, hey, naked, you were Armin before Armin, you know, like providing <laughs> up-to-date information. I kind of was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Just let him know that, all right? Because Armin was... Um, he was like nine years of, old. Armin was one of my students. I mean, yeah. Armin, Armin learned CrossFit at my gym. Yep. Like, he, I have some pretty embarrassing pictures. He's actually shared them. They're not embarrassing because yeah, he doesn't no. really give a shit. No. But, uh, but they're pretty fucking funny yeah. like, compared yeah. to what he does now. <laughs> but you're an early pioneer in that sense. And so the, the, the 10 minute at the bottom of the squat... And I realized then, early on in CrossFit, uh, we, don't, we didn't really pay attention to uh, the virtuosity or form that, we, that it kind of grew into, yep. right? And so, like, I remember the first few times I did Cindy, I think I had, like, 47 rounds, you know, because the, ra- the, the range of motion wasn't there. Right. And so, my, my, even my squat was, was, it was completely immature. And I saw you doing, accumulating 10 minutes at the bottom of your squat. Because you were working on that weakness to get to a certain goal. Yep. So I started doing it. And so I would drop down the best I could at the bottom of my squat, start, start my clock. And then accumulating 10 minutes at the, at the bottom of the squat, eventually, and to this day, I can get there now. It's hard. But, it is hard, but my point work. being, and this is something I learned, I was like, I can take 10 minutes a day and work on a weakness all the time. And so I use that for... Um, handstands. Huh. So cool. I'm like, I start my clock. I'm, I'm working on my handstand here. Yep. So I fell over and over <laughs> and over and over. It didn't matter to me. That was my same experience with handstands. Identical. Over yeah, but and like over a, But and as over. a kid yeah. learning how to stand up, you watch a kid yeah. fall. They, what do they do? Thousands. They learn. Yep. Ah, sweet. That was a learning experience. Let me, stand, let me try again. Oh, I fell this way. Okay, that's a learning experience. Let me get back up. Oh, I fell. All right. I just learned this. So you're constantly learning by your falls. As adults, we lose that. We, we, we lose the desire to, we don't want to fail. I mean, I don't know how many skiers I've talked to and said, hey, you know, you should really consider learning how to snowboard. They, they try it for like 
a half a day and it's freaking hard and they feel like a they feel like a, a, a fish out of water and they they're like oh, i'm never doing that again and they don't and they don't they don't stick with it long enough to yep. like learn the new skill now so, yeah anyway sorry but that 10 minute that's the challenge take 10 minutes and work on something that you're not very good at it doesn't necessarily have to be action it doesn't have to be a handstand because eventually i was able to pop up right because i decided i'm going to keep doing my 10 minutes a day until i can do it mm-hmm. uh, and then eventually i was doing handstand walking it was great uh right now spending 10 minutes a day working on um like a thumb thunderbolt pose when you sit on your laurels you, know, you sit down you put your point your feet and kind of sit on sit on your heels no. It's probably, probably a normal thing for you. If I were to get down and... Like you're in a 90-90? Yeah, yeah. Just, just like sit on the floor, but you're sitting on your legs. Kind of like a kid does or, or, or people like uh, in Japanese culture would sit at a small table. And your legs are back behind you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's just normal. It, for most people. <laughs> it's not normal for me. What can you not do? I can't get there comfortably. My, my so quads, your butt doesn't rest on no, your heels. No. My quads ah. and, and my, my hip flexors are so tight. Mm-hmm. And my ankles are tight where yep. I can't uh, extend my foot enough. Yep. So it's been a tight position. That's also why I have that, see behind me, the little meditation stool. Oh, yeah. Stool. That's called a, a be, uh, Sousa bench? A yeah. Sa- yeah. Something like uh, that? Not Sousa. Sousa? So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Sansa. But it helps with the... It's a meditation. Mo- yeah. It's a meditation yep. bench, yeah. But it helps me to be able to get in that position. It's child's pose is yep. what you're talking about. Yeah. So getting there, is that's where I'm at my 10 minutes a day now. Cool. I'm still using that. And the point... Also, that I mean, all my stuff has meaning. We talked about that, but like, let's say my, my hammer here. And so you look at these challenges, right? And, and whatever challenge you decide to do, picture it like this: you have this big old boulder, and whatever that boulder is, it's like stopping you from getting to your goal. Well, whoever you are, you might have a tiny little chisel or a big old chisel, whatever it is, but you start knocking at the at the boulder. Right, and you keep chipping away, dink, and nothing's happening for a while. But if you keep hitting it, eventually, guess what happens? A little piece is going to pop off. Yep. And then you keep going, keep chiseling, dink, 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 and then all of a sudden, maybe a little crack. And just keep going. Except the difference is this rock. If you stop, eventually the rock starts to grow back. <laughs> right. Right. So you got to keep keep up with the chisel. Yep. Because then, you know, who are you? Are you the rock or are you the chisel? And a rock is static and sits there and does nothing. But a chisel can defeat something as big as a mountain if you keep hitting it. Yep. It's like water, you know, water always wins out over a rock. Mm-hmm. The battle between a water and a rock. But in the moment, it looks like the rock wins. You know, the water has to find its way around the rock. Yeah. And the water is shaping the rock. Yeah. You look at a rock and you think, oh, that's just a rock. No, no, that's, that's been molded by water. Right. So that's what one thing I took away from you, and I'm still using to this that's day. That's really cool. That's it's really constantly cool. doing. I didn't, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, and going after little, goofy, tiny little weaknesses. Yeah, because it's fun. It's fun. It's totally fun. I do that sim- a similar thing now in that ninety ninety sitting position. It's very hard for me. Like Rob Wolf posted a video of him, just flopping his knees from one side to the other. Like yep. his feet stay flat, and he just flop, flop, flop all the way down. And I'm like. How is that? How, how's it possible? I'm not even in the ballpark, and I've gotten better at it. But um, you know, yeah, the you're talking. It's like a, a like a hip mobility drill. Yeah, yeah, yep. it's like a jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I do another drill that is part of that where you do these. It's called the shin box, 
where you do um you flop the knees then you rotate the rotate the feet one way and then you stand come up and then you rotate the feet the other way and you sit back down and you you end up turning in circles up if you guys are interested i'll put a note in the the blog post on the ccway.com or just look it up on youtube yeah and it's super easy to do that's the other thing that's fascinating about the body when i see that's what got me started on back tucks too i'm like it's just you i want to do a back tuck i don't know how to i can't do one well i've never been able to do one. you can do one yeah i think i can like I think, I think if you're if you can create like I'm afraid of falling on my head. If you can jump ten inches or twelve inches like off the ground, then like you can do one. Yeah, which yeah. We, we By know. the way, let me say this about those back tucks. Make sure you're committed. <laughs> totally, totally. Because <laughs> I did one where I jumped up, and for some reason at the top of it, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. I pretty much pile yeah. drive myself into the ground. <laughs> by, uh, were you by yourself? No, I had uh, this was at a gymnastic gym, and luckily uh, Dusty was spotting me. I did. I had the same experience with Dusty. This was so, all right. This twelve Dusty years, Island, fifteen years ago. Fault. Dusty is, must be Dusty's teaching. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. I fell on my head. You I know what, I, I, that was the last time I tried a back tuck. Actually, punch fronts are. Have you ever done a punch front? What's that? That's where you're running forward and you pop and you do a forward yes. a yep. forward those okay. are much less dangerous. All right, we need because you pop into it, and if you don't make it all the way over, you fall on your butt. As long as the ground is giving, yep. Which I got those I can do. It's a back tuck that I no. You know what? After I I my cat like reflexes, I saved my head and popped right back up. Like as fast as I could possibly stand up, I stood up. And the first thing I had to do, I had to reassure Dusty. Like I'm okay. Yeah, I'm like, hey, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> I was con- I was taking care of him because it's like right, right. Uh, you know, I almost died. Right. And the funny thing is, I just call them front flips. A running front flip. Yeah, yeah. I was able to do that at that gym. Over a barrier. Like, if there's something yeah. for me to jump over, yeah, right. nailed it. Not that hard. It took away the barrier, and I suplexed myself oh, really? really hard. Really? I just ran and jumped and landed so hard on my back. Huh. I got a video I'll show you. <laughs> it's great. I whiplashed my head. Oh, wow. But it's a great learning experience, Yeah, right? I forgot about wanting to do a back tuck. I, I, I can do it on trampoline. And like you said, I, I'm sure I can do one. I just haven't done one. Yep. You know, so. and, I'm, and it's not one of those skills that I would recommend anyone out there or myself practice by themselves because there's, yeah. there's, there's some serious consequences yeah. to falling on your head. Yep, yep. By the way, if you do it, make sure you're filming, okay? Yeah, of course. It's the whole Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's the whole process. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I used to make, I, I made a highlight of, I mean, of like the beginning because initially I was up on a box with like four spotters jumping back into a um, like a pad. Yep. And it's funny, uh, in fact, there's a video of me teaching Armin how to do a back tuck and he lands on his face. <laughs> Got <laughs> red and scraped up, yeah. but the you, you sure know that what? wasn't on purpose. <laughs> well, the thing is about the back tuck is that it's, I don't know, it's like twenty percent skill and eighty percent courage. Oh, really? It's huh. all courage. Because all you like, yeah, like you're you're bringing the access up, and then you just if you can just pull your knees yeah. like over the access, they just go. They go. They go. It's right. almost like doing right. a pullover on a bar. You know, like right. it's not. You just got to go. And that's what it is. But then you stand in there and you're like, like, (laughs) what? And so the concept of it is is hard to get through. Yeah. And that's another weird thing of how your imagination is uh, stalling you out. Yeah. And trying to be in the moment and having that belief. Yeah, I haven't tried that in, uh, I mean, that was back when I first started CrossFitting. So probably 15 years, 16 years. I haven't done that. 14 years. I don't know. 
Well, I think it would be a, a, a probably incomplete podcast if we didn't give CrossFit a little bit of love here. Yeah. Because and, and how that like, you know, for the listener, you were the ninth affiliate. Ever? I was the ninth. Now I think back then when because people drop off the list. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I probably was like twelve or thirteen, something like that. But I was early, very early. And this is like two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah. And I didn't start till two thousand. I think I started in two thousand six. It, it always amazes me the length of time it took CrossFit to get to 100 gyms. Like it was like 2004 to like 2007 or maybe 2008, I think. I mean, and somebody out there that was 100 would probably call me out on, hey, you're full of shit. But it was a long time. Yeah. Well, you these, think these, it, uh... these long, like this period of time that it took it to build momentum, build momentum. And then once, you know, 2010, 2010 hit, and they ended up in Carson, and then they were on ESPN. All of a sudden, it was like, holy shit, the, they just started falling in. You know, like, but it kind of grew with social media. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if, even yeah. the internet. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have CrossFit.com or the internet, like, take it, go back 10 or 20 years. What happens? What do you mean? I'm saying... You with, mean what would have... Yeah, with, oh, with, CrossFit that's what I'm saying. CrossFit. That's yes. what I'm saying. With the yes. internet and then with... Uh, social media and then everyone because you know crossfitters love to talk about crossfit and then film it and hashtag it and talk yeah, about it yeah and then boom remember back in the old days when they every video was a music video yeah and they would put these great tunes i mean god i loved some of those videos that they did and then they had to go back and take all the music out and i just remember something i have a confession when you your first gym all uh-huh. right so i started crossfitting and just learning from CrossFit.com, um, the, the videos that were embedded. Uh, I think YouTube came a little bit later. I think, if I don't remember correctly, the videos were, I don't know if they linked to YouTube. Either way, watching like Greg Amundsen yeah. and, and Dave Lees. And, and I, I bought DVDs. Yeah. I mean, I, I, have a D, I have the first DVD I bought. It's got Greg Amundsen and, and Dave Lees doing Helen and then doing Fran. And there was there's no music. They're boring as shit. Yeah. The only thing that's incredible about them is the time that they finish. Did they just do mm-hmm. Helen in seven minutes and 20 seconds? Like, they don't look like they're running that fast. They don't look like they're doing anything yeah, that yeah. fast. And yet, yet the stopwatch doesn't lie. So that's how I learned. And then doing it on, on my own uh, at my police gym at, at work. But I don't know if you know this, and I just remembered it right now, but I used to like creep past your gym. <laughs> you mean in the squad car? Yeah, just like hover around it. No, yeah, because no, how would I know that? Well, no, I don't know if I ever told cop, you that. It's just a well, no because I was cops a, protecting. The I area. was discovering. <laughs> I was discovering CrossFit uh-huh. and had a curious mind about it. Yeah, and so I would just kind of like go over there in case I saw anyone doing it or pass by and be like, "Oh, what's going on in well, there?" Well, because we were in that back alley. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so yeah. you, you nobody found it. In fact, even if you plug the address into Google Maps uh, to find it. You, it would put you in the wrong place. Yeah. So people could never find the gym. Yeah. It was very funny. I was totally shy. What I should have done is parked the car and got out and just... That would have been good. Yeah. yeah. So that's funny. Because you ended up over at Dogtown training with Adam, right? My, the, first, the first gym that I started at was uh, Paradiso, CrossFit Paradiso. Oh, when really? They were, uh, uh, actually, it wasn't the first one I'd been to. I tried like South Bay. I tried a few. I traveled around and I'm like, I got to pick a one that's going to be convenient for yeah, my right. lifestyle. Right. And so I joined... Uh, Paradiso, and that's when they were in off of uh, their first spot was like in a storage unit. It was like 800 square feet. Was it by Glencoe, like yeah. off near Costco? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. It was, it was next door to a garage. There was traffic going in and out of there. Like not a, not a garage storage garage, but a garage. Yeah, it was, but it was a fixed. tiny little thing. Yeah. Tiny. Yep. And then it, then it moved to the, the next one got a little bigger and then obviously, you know, they're spreading out to Hawaii and yeah, all over the place. Yeah. But that's where it's a whole different business. You know, it was like Vibrams were the jam. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, Eventually over to, you know, what got me moving to uh, Dogtown at that time was the curiosity of gymnastics. Yeah. And understanding that and, and Dusty being over there. Well, that's where I learned gymnastics. Well, I learned gymnastics at Broadway, gymnastics. And Dusty was, a. I had been doing it for about six months. Dusty came in, was fat, out of shape, wearing a white t-shirt, like looked like he was stressed out from work. And I remember, this is a hilarious story about Dusty. I remember thinking, okay, I got six months on this guy. I'm also a CrossFitter. I'm, I'm fit. You know, like, here's a dumpy, middle-aged, you know, stressed out. God knows what he's from. And he's, we're just stretching. We're, do, we're at the beginning of this two-hour block of time that's adult, adult gymnastics. And so I'm, you know, and this is what I typically do. I look, I look at somebody and I judge them. Mm-hmm. And I eyeball them and I think, where are they in the hierarchy compared to me? You know, I'm either here or I'm here. And, of course with Dusty and with gymnastics, I'm like, I'm here and he's down here. Yeah, obviously. And obviously, right? I mean, of course. So you look at the guy, he can't do anything. And then he was sitting in a, in a straddle and I thought, oh, he's pretty, he's pretty flexible. You know, he wasn't doing the splits or anything, but he's sitting in the straddle. I'll never forget this. He, he su- suddenly, seemingly effortlessly rolls back and pops into a back extension handstand. And holds this handstand for like five seconds and then comes out as if, as if he had just stood up. Like that's his method for standing up. And I thought, oh, fuck, you idiot. <laughs> here, here you think you're making progress and here's another person that's, you know, leaps and bounds. I mean, Dusty had been doing gymnastics yeah, since yeah, he yeah. was like two. And you look over and you see the frame picture on the wall that you missed earlier. There was on. Dusty. <laughs> yeah, there's Dusty like on the rings, you know, <laughs> holding an iron cross. So it was hilarious. That was my, that was my, and, but it was fun to watch him progress in terms of getting his life back and his fitness back and his, cause he had really led a difficult, I think he had a difficult time in the, in the world outside of fitness and outside of gymnastics and um, watching him get that back was, was really cool. And then he became a coach there and yep. opened Dogtown with Adam. Yep. A uh, good coach too. You know, he, um, yeah. Passion was there. Uh, and one of the one of the um, the takeaways I got from Dusty is that no matter what, he always had the ability to push me to go a little harder. And one of the, I'm not sure I haven't really put my finger on what he was doing. It was almost like I didn't want to disappoint him. But then when he was when he would push somebody, I could feel the love. It wasn't like right. it wasn't right. being it wasn't. The pushing wasn't in a correct way. It came from a good spot of love and, and believing in you. Yep. You know, that's, you know, you don't see that in everybody. No, he's Dusty's a good human. Yep. He he loves people and he loves you when he's your coach. Yeah. Yep. So you, you've been in CrossFit, right? And that sparked some more curiosity. Yeah. And it, it seems like right around then, because I know you, you you had taken some class and some uh, some some growth uh, seminars. I went through a program called the, at the University of Santa Monica. It's a spiritual psychology program. And, um, but, but really what spurred on the next piece that was the next like kind of exploration into growth was how do I, how do I have a, bet, a bigger impact 
on my clients? How do I get them from being just addicted to workouts and training and not addicted to their health and well-being? Like what's, cause I, I looked at, at fitness as, as a, as a gate, like kind of the gateway drug. Yep. And once people got addicted to that, Hey, great. Now, now we can start having a conversation about nutrition. We maybe about other stuff, but there was no real conversation about that happening in my gym. And there was no, and I didn't want to make it dogmatic. I didn't want to tell people when they walked in the door that they had to zone or do paleo or mm-hmm. that's part of the rules here. Um, I wanted them to want to. And, um, that became this exploration into, okay, well, how do we do it and how would we bring it and do we just teach seminars or we had gone to a, one of the early on CrossFit nutrition seminars and while there were some good things about it, there were also some really bad things about it. Like we were like, well, okay, we're never going to do that. But we, we started something we called Food University that was a, it was like a 10-week course that we taught at the gym and um, it was expensive. I think we charged like four ninety five for it, and a lot of hands hands on. You know, one coach, Michael, ran it, and uh, he had ten or twelve people, and he was doing one on one coaching with them and weekly classes. And by the time it was over, there were like two people still participating because it was just you know people don't join a gym necessarily to be treated as if they're in school. They join a gym because they're they want to take action and they want to do stuff. And that's what we loved about, about our community. And so we, we, that ended and I had been running something called the Patronic Fitness Challenge for, at that point, almost 10 years. It was a kind of a, I, the original idea came from like the decathlon. Like what if I was to create a decathlon event for my clients and make them all train for it and do a before and after and the winner would be the one that improved the most? And um, I'd done them at the beach. I'd done them in the gym. I'd done them at the track. And so we took these other components that we felt were important parts of health and well-being, and we added them to the fitness challenge. And we, we had a couple developers who were software engineers who talked us out of using Google Docs to do it because that's how we were going to do it. And uh, the first whole life challenge was born, and it literally... It changed the the conversation. It changed the framework. It changed the. It allowed people to take responsibility. The community, the conversation. It was it was transformative to our little world. 150 people, and we thought, okay, this is really good. Now, how do we make it better? How do we how do we make it even more impactful? And so we did it the next year. But we we had our developers figure out a way to allow people to invite their friends and family, and we had about double the people in it and way more impactful because you know suddenly somebody's seven year 70 year old mom is doing it with them in spite of it feeling crossfitty at the time and uh the next step was the year after when we made it a global thing and we went back with uh we we hired we brought in a consultant who who had was working with john birch who was working with you know about 300 gyms at the time and he brought them all to the game yep. we made a deal with him and um we had 7,000 people in that first global challenge. And um, it is just, you know, we're doing one a year. Now we do four a year. We, it's a full-on business. Um, I've moved from being in the coaching business to being in the software business. But it, it's still, it's funny because I'll, I've had to approach it. I continue to approach it as a coach. 
I continue to approach it as making an impact on people's lives and helping people change their life. So it's um, all the other stuff that I don't like to think about, I have to pay for. <laughs> I pay developers, pay lawyers, pay, you know, our, our CEO now is John Gilson. A lot of people know him from, again, Faster and from his stuff in the CrossFit world. He's been a huge part of the development of the early CrossFit stuff. He was a level three, one of the first level three trainers and taught all these certifications. He's now our CEO. He started off as a, just a buddy of mine who was helping me out with some ideas around content marketing. And he was, um, first of all, where is he physically located? In Boston. All he's right. in Boston. I was going to go track him down and give him a hug. <laughs> he's fascinating. <laughs> he's, Love that guy. He's, he's a great guy. He's, he, he's committed. He's passionate. He's also, you know, he's had his share of struggles, you know, like again, faster had some tough, came on some tough times just because he made some decision, business decisions that weren't necessarily great ones. And, Fortunately, the brand still is around. Nobody knows about it because Rogue is, you know, the the mm -hmm. the, the elephant in the room. Um, I think they have a bigger audience overseas than they do here. Again, faster. Um, but John's no longer any part any, any part yeah. of it. And you know, he. Um, I learned a lot from him in his videos too. He's yeah, fantastic, like online video coach. Yep. When it came to uh, running an affiliate. Or, yeah. or even how to set up a home gym and those type of, I mean, obviously that, that, that market of videos is completely saturated, but early on it was fascinating for me to watch and, and use his videos. Also another thing that to point out that I, that I appreciated at, at what you brought into at least my awareness of the fitness world is you approached at CrossFit LA and not just a gym, but like a, a university or school of fitness mm -hmm. and that you're not just coming to work out. You're like entering as a freshman. Right. And right. so that's, again, whether you're aware of it or not, is highlighting the beginner's mind. Right. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I find that completely fascinating. And I'm going to skip forward a little bit to the whole life challenge and also remind you, uh, from my perspective, it's not a software business. No, it's really not. No, it's, it's really not. It's, a, it's, it's a, where all our money goes. No, of course. <laughs> but yes. you're right. You're 100% right. It's not a software business at all. Because... You know, if I ask why do you do it, what it's, would the answer be? It's a transformation of humans. It's the it's the it's the building up of you know, it's working on virtues. It's developing people's courage and commitment and testing their resolve and and teaching patience and consistency and persistence and letting go of some of the ego driven things of winning and of intensity and of hard and um, you know, winning the, winning the game of life or just being in the game of life rather than thinking about winning and losing. I'm going to put the, the whole life challenge into an outsider's perspective. One of the, the first things that I see uh, is that you know, what you guys believe in with it. And that is that you have the power to change your life for the better. You like the individual, you, you listening, you have the power to change it. Yep. And it kind of goes in line and why it resonates with me is why I always say strength is a choice. You know, it's written behind me on my desk. It's written on this poster. It's up here on my sword. Yep. And it's all along the same lines of that, that a person has so much inner power and so much inner fire that sometimes you just, 
you know, you get a little bit of assisting to wake up and to realize that. And so part of it is, and I'm going to try and put this in context, but when you teach people like through the whole life challenge per se, is that you're, it's almost on the surface level, it's an outside in teaching thing. Like here's yeah. an outside source yeah. coming into you. But what you're really doing is showing people that the power is in and bringing it back out. And that to me is like such a high level of service and uh, super strong. And so the way it's done is, you know, small steps, right? Small steps repeated. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hit a home run every single time. You know, base hits wins games. Yeah. Um, small, small steps and repeated over time. Well, well, it was also, you know, really important for, for me to make it as much as we could, um, kind of program agnostic so that you could, you could do, you could be a yoga person. You could be a spinner. You could be a, you could follow a South beach diet or a Mediterranean diet or a, or a keto diet or whatever you wanted. As long as you were eating good food, mm-hmm. good, healthy, clean food. And that there's a little bit of not exactly that in the challenge based on some of the rules, but it, it met, it was important for me to allow this thing, this platform to exist to meet people where they are rather than telling them what to do. And because, you know, I was always the opinion that how do I know what you can do or what you should do or what's the right prescription? If I'm going to make a platform for 10,000 people, I can't possibly answer that question. So I can't give you your food plan and I can't give you your exercise plan because I don't know, I don't know what's appropriate for you. For some people, exercise is, is um, you know, doing three workouts of the day a day to train. And some people, they're lucky if their workout is walking around the block with their dog, you mm-hmm. know, and which are both appropriate and both should count toward exercise. And so that's what we did. We're like, okay, yep. well, you know, exercise is 10 minutes and do whatever you want as long as you would count it for yourself. And so it's broken down into to seven daily habits. Uh, and before I get into that, part of the, the, the small steps thing, I used to have, I still do. One of my favorite quotes is that uh, we are what we repeatedly do. So excellence, therefore, is not an act. It's a habit. That's Aristotle. You would think. (laughs) Come on, don't turn. You're going to turn that one on his head too? Yeah, it's not. Come on. Mm -hmm. Really? Who is it? Uh, I think it goes back to like, um, I think the direct quote could be attributed to a man named Will Durant. Huh. who was breaking down some of uh, Aristotle's teachings and lessons. Wow. He said pieces of it all over the place, but that a quote that quote right there is not Aristotle. Huh. Cuz they people like to put that quote with the word I think it's arete or, or uh, something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, it's like a I think sometimes who you attribute it to is if it's from like a single name philosopher, it like it gives it a certain air of like truth and and legitimacy. Yeah. But really, like, I don't know, the message is what's important, yeah. not necessarily the person. Yeah. You know, so, but that's something, that's something I learned in questioning, you know, questioning what you know and looking a little bit deeper. Yep. Uh, but either way, uh, another quote that I like, it says, virtues are formed in a man by doing the right actions. You know, it's what you do and what you do repeatedly. And so outside of fitness, if you're trying to improve yourself... I was going through, you have, you have the seven daily habits here in the whole life challenge and that's nutrition, exercise, mobilize, sleep, hydrate, 
well-being, and reflect. And a lot of these, what I found interesting, and, and I don't know if it's if just, just how my brain works, but I look at it, and what I like about it is that it's action and non-action. Because I think a lot of people yeah. tend to be too heavy in the action component, yeah. and what that does for stress, and how, that, how even if it's exercise, you're still having stress. If you're in a constant state of stress, you have more inflammation, you know, it affects your vagus nerve, your, your, your chest breathing. Mm-hmm. It can go on and on and on how it affects your life. It's like the gateway of all the stuff that kills you down the line. So I was going through it. So for the listener, if you go, if you go to the wholelifechallenge.com, you kind of see what I'm seeing uh, and, and click around through each one of these. And obviously, I, based on my, my knowledge, um, I have an understanding of nutrition. I have an understanding of exercise mobility, sleep, I have an understanding of, um, working to constantly improve that, which is difficult for someone whose yep. sleep schedule flips completely opposite twice a week. Which the cool thing about the challenge is we let people decide for themselves what the sleep requirement is. So we don't tell you, you need seven hours. If you, if you average five hours a night, I would tell you, you're better off picking five hours and 15 minutes as your goal for the well, challenge. That's the pickle is that as opposed to sometimes it's night and sometimes it's day for me. Yeah. I can't help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> Get a sleep mask. Oh, so, okay. All right. So, yeah. So, here's the thing. Looking at it. Looking at it. Okay. That sounds crazy. I but here's the point. Here, here's part of it. I can't control that. Right. I need to go right. to sleep. Day or night, doesn't matter. Sleep has to happen. So, what can I do in my control to improve that? Yeah. And so, one of them is obviously my blackout shades, uh, my chili pad. Yep. Chili pad is, oh my gosh, I love I have, you. I have one too. Fantastic. I, I, do you ever clean it? Uh, yes. And it should be done more often because they can go bad. I look in there and I'm seeing nope. this hey. crap floating in no, the... No, no, no. Do, do the procedure. Hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide, right? Go yeah. through it because what's going to end up happening is it's going to stop working. Oh, really? Yeah. On my way home, I will buy some yeah. hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, go through the steps. Right. You have to like leave it on for a while. Hot, hot, hot. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. otherwise it's going to go bad. So I have that. I have my little eyebrow. Yep. Um, currently working my way through the oxygen advantage. You know, yeah, I yes. do that. I've been doing that since oh, yeah. uh, November. Yep. Every night. I'm, ge- I'm, I'm going to do that. I just haven't gotten the 3M tape for it yet. The tape makes a big difference. Um, and, and make sure when you, if you get the tape, you, you, you fold a little piece of the edge so you can get it off because it's incredibly on there. Oh, uh, good you point. You can't peel it off and it's a little bit concerning. And for you guys, we're talking about taping our mouth shut to go to sleep. <laughs> so it forces you to nasal breathe, which is a whole topic for, uh, uh, whole for another day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, I was kind of, this is a relatively new thing for me, nasal breathing. And so I initially have my own judgments and preconceptions and beliefs, right? Automatically it just bubbles up. And then what I've learned to do is not let that emotion get in the driver's seat. So I'm aware of it because you can't get rid of it. I'm aware of it. But then I decide to do some research. Ah, well, let me look into this. Mm -hmm. Let me have an open mind without judgment and look into it. And so that's what's. You know, I've gone through a bunch of books and, and looked in the Wim Hof method, but that's why I'm on the oxygen advantage now. And I think actually, just reminded me, I'm going to listen to your episode because I want to have Patrick on at he's, some point. He's in time. fantastic. Yeah, he's. Fantastic. And there's a seminar coming up in LA at the end of September that the the oxygen advantage is doing in LA. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll oh, give wow. you the info. Okay. Um, so anyway, that's part of the things I like about it is is looking at that, but then also the, and this is where. It's fascinating for me that you have you get to do this, and that is in the well-being category and the reflection category. 
you and Stanwick and, and your staff get to do these little projects and go exploring how you can, you can improve on each one of those. Yep. And keep going and looking for different things. An example of that is, let's just say, well-being. I'm going to click on well-being. And uh, that's, it's learn weekly practices to help you feel happier and more connected. And so within that, you have, um, I'm clicking on it, and each one's a cool little video. But, and this is something that you'll learn that I do. The first thing under that is one of the practices, write a thank you note. Like actually write a card to somebody and how powerful that is. By the way, Paul, I need to get a wax stamp. I just remembered because. Oh, like a seal? Yeah, like a yeah, seal? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, love right? That. Yeah. So that. Ideas aren't anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you have laughter, you have no electronics during meals. There's, little, there's a whole little blog on mindfulness meditation. So all this stuff, I'm like. Man, you guys are living the dream. And we, and we keep coming up with new things, which actually amazes me. You know, we've done all these, we've done all these practices, and I think, okay, that's, I don't, we can't come up with any more. We're done. We're tapped out. There's no more. And we keep coming up with more. So it's kind of cool. Well, maybe the, the, the 85-year-old self can be one of them. Yeah. You got to come up with a way to make that I did it or I didn't do it got to be a there's got to be a because that's one of our criteria we, we've we've had some pretty cool ideas of about stuff but first of all you have to be able to do it every day so it can't be like at least one time this week do this or you know like accumulate 100 push-ups this week you couldn't really do that because you need to be able to you could do 10 push-ups a day yeah. but that wouldn't necessarily be well-being you know it wouldn't yeah, really fit yeah. the criteria um and then you have to be able to a way to like we did one for example that I loved a few challenges ago where it was awaken, awaken, the, awaken with gratitude. And we said, we said it had to be before breakfast because at first the practice really is waking up in the morning and before your feet hit the ground or even, or as your feet hit the ground, spend about a minute thinking about the things you're grateful for and, and cultivating a mindful mindset of gratitude. And, when we talked about doing that particular one, it's so easy to miss and to not do it, not even remember that you didn't do it. So first of all, we gave people more time. And then secondly, what would mean you did it? Did, was it a meditation? Was it a, could you just have thought I'm grateful and then you're done? You know, so we, that one didn't work quite as well as that yeah. we envisioned. It worked really good for me personally, but it, it didn't work in terms of the challenge. So we, we have that. That yeah. is a challenge of the challenge. Still fascinating. I mean, I'm, this is, I, I want to spend like a, all day reading and learning about this stuff and taking it in and then deciding ultimately what I just got to do is I'm going to jump in the challenge and, and do it live. You should have a CSU team. With your, with your listeners just say hey we're doing this and we're gonna our focus is gonna be strength is a choice maybe or something when is when's the next one start September 29th oh, perfect I'm making note of that <laughs> hey by the way if you guys want to do that if you're interested in in joining the Sisu Way team uh, shoot me a direct message on Instagram at one Scott McGee or at the Sisu Way or email me the Sisu Way at gmail.com, I think is an email. Either way, find, find a way, reach out to find me because if there's a little bit of demand for it, uh, I definitely want to do it. And it's cool if we could do it together. That's another part. It's way more powerful. 
Yeah, what, you know, and this is a this is something that that is, you know, people write and you know tell me share amazing things with me, and I, I always tell people it's like this is not a me thing, this is a we thing. Mm-hmm. It's actually part of why I don't have my name in the title of the show. Hmm. We were talking earlier about like names for for podcasts and stuff. Yep. You know, like what's the Scott McGee show? I don't know. That's not something I want to listen to. Yeah. But making it a bigger thing and a teamwork and a community thing and a movement uh, together because we're all veering off the path and getting right back on. But the the whole life challenge is, you know, from my perspective looking in and, and looking at your curious mind and how you've grown and continue to grow and do so with a sense of humor, right? You're having fun. You're not up there taking this completely serious. <laughs> no. Yeah, but you true. might have some fresh, frustrating moments of, uh, but who doesn't, right? That's that's going to happen. But yeah. it's not running your life. Yeah. And, and and even now at this point in your life, you're still a kid. You're yeah. still learning like a kid. Yep. Yeah. And not only that, you're learning, you're enjoying life, all while being in, in a very high level of service, and developing yourself, and helping others develop themselves. And in constantly, what it's really helping is you to become the best dad you can be. Right. And these, these little ripple effects that you're having is going to affect how your son becomes a father yep. and how his son becomes a father. And it doesn't necessarily matter on the past, right? You took your past and didn't necessarily decide to do that. You're making a choice to be the man that you are. Yep. And I think that's super cool. And, and, and why I wanted to have you on the show. Right? Yeah. So I really, <clears throat> I, I really hope you know that. I mean, that's the most meaningful work I do. And I think that I feel like my whole life has prepared me, you know, it makes me wonder what's, what's he going to be like as a dad? Is he going to, because he had such a, I won't say coddled, he's not coddled at all, but he had such support from a male role model. Would that make him less likely to do what I did was to find the maleness or can he continue I just don't, you know, I mean, I'm not looking for an answer really. It just makes me wonder, you know, do you need to have the kind of upbringing I had, which was an absence of male strength and male, you know, like intestinal fortitude and, and, and guidance in order to find it and claim it as yours? Or can you start with it and stick with it and then teach your kids that? Hopefully that's what happens. Well, you're modeling, right? Yep. Because you can say a bunch of stuff, but you're modeling something for them. Also, life is going to be really hard. It is, and it's going to be really hard for him that you can't stop. Right, right. Right, right. but you might be providing him the tools to be able to navigate that and to, how to think about it yep. and how to, how, to, how to act in the storm. Like You can't control weather, right? You can control your clothing, but you can't get mad at rain. You can. But what's he going to do? My, it's, wife, it's my just, wife does. Yeah, it's gonna, <laughs> but I'm saying it's going gonna, it's gonna, <laughs> to... Sorry, honey. But that's going <laughs> to, that only bothers you. Yeah. Or you yeah. can actually, oh, look, it's raining. Okay, cool. The streets are going to get cleaned. You know, the grass is going to be green. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to hear the birds after the storm. This is really good for our community. And think about it that way. There's always a positive look if you decide to see something with the beginner's mind of things. I started doing something really cool recently uh, because of a program, I'm, I, I, because of an Instagram ad that I've followed for something called The Warrior's Way. But it's, uh, I am writing a, I write a post-it note each morning to my son about something rel- relative, uh, not relative, uh, 
um, what's the word? Relevant. Relevant to his life today, like what's happening in the last, in the last 24 hours or some lesson that I want him to learn or some acknowledgement for who he's being or what he's doing. And uh, he's accumulated now probably 40 or 50 of these post-it notes. And he's got them plastered up in the bathroom. And uh, I always wondered, you know, where these little books of like dad things come from. I don't have to really wonder that anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, because I, I never really thought about me as being able to do that. But when I do it in tiny little chunks, I mean, go figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I do it in tiny little chunks and I don't sit down to try to write a book and think about what's going on in his life over the, over the last 24 hours, they're easy. They're so easy. They come to me in literally like 30 seconds and I write a little post-it note. And I like the post-it note because it keeps it contained. I can't go on and on. Mm. Like sometimes I go on and on when I'm talking to him about stuff and it's inappropriately long because I just get rolling mm. and you know, he's in the back. God, I do it in the car a lot and we'll pull into the driveway and I'm not done talking. So we sit in the driveway with the car running and I'm like, I try to pull myself out of it and I haven't yet to be able to do that. But the, but the little post-it notes are good cause they're, they're contained. Yep. You know, they, they have to be short. Uh, I have two suggestions, maybe three. One Start a book of your own and just jot the line down in that book. Yep. So you, because yeah, over time, right. right? And then maybe when he turns 18, give him the book. Oh, that's cool. Well, he's keeping the post it notes as no. far as I know for now. But that would be cool yes. in my own handwriting. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. And keep that going. Uh, post it notes over time can get lost really yeah, easy. Totally. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. They, yeah, right. the stickiness wears off. Right. Uh, that also um, of that wall or that area, take a picture of it. Oh, right. And hang on to that. Right. Email to yourself, have it in your phone in right. case you lose your phone. Right. And, and to keep track of that stuff because down the line, uh, you know, he's young now, right? And we, once you go through certain things or, or something ever happens to you, he'll have that. Yeah. And I shared this story a lot. And a, a gigantic reason for this show is my dad didn't start writing until it was too late. And a paragraph half in, coughed up blood, ended up dying. And it was all information I never knew. And so start creating information for your loved ones now. Yeah, you know, I remember hearing your first episode and hearing that story and uh, thinking, that's a huge job. I can't do it. I mean, that literally, I remember thinking that's a, too big of, I can't even get my head around all the things I would need to do in order to do that. And when I started this little bite-sized post-it note, I didn't even think that, I'm doing that. It mm-hmm. didn't even occur to me that I'm doing it. And it's so easy and I, it requires so little effort and it's so meaningful. Like I'm, I'm thinking about it as I'm doing it and I'm like, I'm teaching him who I am mm-hmm. by what I, what I write. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll turn into something else and something more and maybe it won't. But, uh, you know, it's funny. It goes into what we've been talking about, these 10-minute chunks, these small little, make it small enough that you can easily do it. You don't have to do it all in one night. You don't have to write your life story in a video or in a book. You know, it doesn't have to be hard. Uh, fast forward 20 years from now, maybe 30. That book could be a gift to your grandson. Yeah, right. 
you think those post-its are going to be around in 30 years? Maybe. Maybe those get collected and preserved in, in a book, but the, there's something... Um, King Tutankhamun stuff is still around, and that's hey. like 4,000 4, years. We yeah. just went and saw that exhibit. It's freaking amazing. Yeah, you amazing. mummify it. Get a little... I mummify yeah. it. <laughs> make, a little, make a little time capsule. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's time I don't have. I don't yeah, have time yeah. to do that. Yeah. It's much easier to write it down yeah. in a book. Yep. Yeah. In your own handwriting and then something physical. I think I think you know I still struggle with things being stuck in the in the in the like the false I don't know I don't know what the real world or false world is but on the internet yeah and it makes me think of there's a there was a show uh, well it's kind of like the apocalypse shows where all the power goes out like do you know how to navigate do you know how to get from point A to point B do you have records of anything that are not digital mm-hmm. you know like. Do you have a hammer? Do you have a sword? Do you have a, things that are going to matter in yeah, those yeah. times? Do you have an Andy to navigate? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You bring your hammer and sword and guns, and I'll bring the navigation, and we'll, we'll team up because I don't have enough of that. Hey, that right there, that's the, my samurai sword up here is going to be useful. I've seen The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Um, I also want to, to point out, before, before we close out, because we have the ice is calling right before you have to run out. But the impact and the push and, and what you've learned from your podcast. Well, we were talking about what, um, that I'm up to this renaming thing. I, it's funny. I get as much as I know better. I get caught up in, who's listening and are there enough people listening and is it does it matter to enough people and uh so one of the things i did was i shifted it from being the whole life podcast to being the andyptronic podcast and the idea was that i have felt like prior to being the andyptronic podcast i I, I would build things. I've built things in my life similar to what you talked about, your name. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about me. It's about the, the idea. It's about the concept. It's about the community. And I've done that a lot in my life. And I, and I wanted to take a stand and show up as a bigger version of me. Like, here I am. And I've done that. It's, it's showing up that way. But the, but the interesting thing is I still want people to find it and I still want new people to listen to it because I I feel like the message is important mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't do this because I have an ego that wants a million downloads I mean that would be nice sure but I'm not doing it for money and um, I think the, the messages that the people that I talk to are really really important and I want more people to find it and so it, when I think about you know a new person going to iTunes and looking for new podcasts and they see the Andy Petronic podcast, like what, what does that mean? What is that? And I, you know, I'm not, I don't have a big enough following for people to know what that is. I don't even know if I ever, ever will, but if, but if I name it something, so that's, I'm in the process of rethinking that and re um, re envisioning what that looks like. And you know, some might say, well, I'm just, I keep fucking up the name. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I kind of keep stumbling forward. I'm hitting the gutter mm-hmm. with the ball and the ball's bouncing into the thing and hopefully it's picking up speed and um, maybe I'll get it right on the third go round. <laughs> um, and I, and you know, the other thing 
That's one. I'm in the process of yeah. learning that. And I think the other thing for me is keeping it fun, keeping it rele- relevant to me and my life so that when I show up for an interview with a person, I can't wait to have that conversation. Like I, those are the people that I want. I almost let that guide me too much because sometimes it means the podcast has a very wide girth. You know, I'll have a psychologist on and then I'll have a sleep guy on and then I'll have a breathing person on and then I'll have um, a musician on. Like I just interviewed the lead singer for the band Sugarland, which is a huge country music band. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about some really fun stuff. Like, did you ever think about the idea that maybe you're not there to watch the band, but the band is there to watch you and the idiocy, uh, the idiotic things that go on in the stadium. They have little two-way mics in their ears and they can talk to each other while the concert's going on. So very often they're talking to each other and say, hey, check out the idiot in row 42 and you know what they're wearing. Like they, mm-hmm. it just never occurred to me that that was happening. So I, I love that. I love discovering new things that have nothing to do with health and well-being necessarily, which is why the name isn't the health and well-being podcast. Um, but he's also lost a hundred pounds and he's a triathlon coach. Nice. Like really a lead guitar player for like, it doesn't fit. He'll take a, he'll take his bike on tour and he'll get off at a new, at a new stop on the tour and he'll, he'll put on his cycling gear and go for a, you know, bike ride. All his, you know, all the people in the band or the groupies, the roadies are, you know, setting up for the show and doing other stuff. So, you know, I, I just, I love that. I love the versatility. I've had you on the show, mm-hmm. like the, the variety of people. And I, so it's really important to me that the podcast continues to be an extension of what, of, that brings me joy. And, and, and when it does, the reason it's important, Jesus, I just knocked the Rest mic almost off the table. Um, the reason that I feel that's important, um, because I spoke a minute ago about it being not about me, but if I'm not exuberant and excited about my guest, I don't do as good a job at presenting what they're great at and the brilliance of them. And if I don't do that, then it comes out in the interview and then they don't get to present their best self and there's not as much potential for learning. So that's really the mother load for me. And then if I can pare down the, the, um, the logistics of, because there are a lot of logistics with building, with doing mm-hmm. a podcast. I mean, I've done 150 episodes, and um, it's it's hard. Yep. It's hard, and especially for one that doesn't make any money. You know, like it's not. This is not a monetized thing at all. Um, my, I have to continually convince. Now, John is my CEO. I have to convince John. Like, John, I'm doing this. He's like, Yeah, but it's not making us any money, dude. I, we get we got to pull the resources. I'm like, Nope, sorry. We, this is this is a non-starter. As long as you want to continue being CEO, because I'm still on the board. I, mm-hmm. I see the CEO still has to report to the board. Um, I'm like, the, uh, and, and he loves the pot. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding, of course. But um, yes, it, it's a tremendous um, time, energy, and emotion um, um, 
tool to like, uh, so this, let me rephrase this. You're taking curiosity, enthusiasm, and applying it to people to learn new perspectives for a better way. Yes, that's 100% true. And it's fun and, 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 and you're a great host and it's a good thing to listen to. So thank you. Stand by for the new name. Stand by for the new name. Might might have changed based on this interview. We'll see. Yeah. Yep. It's it's funny with naming things. Yeah. I mean, I've probably come up with a hundred different names that are possibilities. And you know, I ask I have my wife is a big litmus test for me, you know, and she shoots down ninety percent of the hundred that I've come yeah. up with. Um I came up with one last night. Uh uh One step further, I think I said one one step further, or or climb to greater heights, or something like that. And she goes, "Oh my God!" She's like, "That's like a, that's like something they would do a dance to or cheer to." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's the idea. It's aspirational. Like it's it's got like." She's like, "No, you cannot name it that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so because I came up with a name, I was I was doing a Peloton class and uh, a song like an Earth, Wind, and Fire song or one of the old 70s dance songs came on and that was the song. And uh, so it was funny. But um, I don't know. Let's see how much time we have left here because we're kind of... I'm, I'm okay. Okay. Like he, he, they've got a weird thing at school today. They, um, they were supposed to go to a one-night sleepover camp, like, field, like a field trip, and then come back this afternoon. But at like 8 o'clock... The night before they were supposed to leave, we got an email that they canceled the, the thing because there's a park, the park, the, the uh, camp they were going to, which is up in Simi Valley. Uh, there's like radioactive material that from the from World War II, where they used to do radioactive testing and stuff. That's close to the camp, and there's there's never been conclusive proof that that radioactive material is not leaking into the campgrounds. And he evidently that they didn't vet this, or they didn't vet it enough to find that out until literally eight o'clock the night before. And he sends the parents, he sends an email to the parents. Hey, we're canceling the trip. Wait, I care too much about the kids to even put them in a environment that we don't know if it would have a, an effect or not. And so he's, he's at school. I, I, I can pick him up for a partial day or I can pick, leave him there for the full day. So I'm just going to, I'll just go a little bit late and pick All right, him up. Cool. It's good. Uh, Cause I, I don't want to close this out without mentioning the uh, newsletter. Right, right. That's been a big, that's been another form of me, it's called stepping up. It's been another yep. form of me stepping up. And it comes out, it's a monthly newsletter. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants to be part of it, because it's fascinating too, there's a bunch of little pieces, not too long. Right. It gets right to the point, has some really good information. Uh, how does somebody get part of that? List. It's it's on my website, andypetronic.com, and then right on the homepage, it's got. I mean, the whole idea of that website was to get subscribers to the podcast, uh, to the to the newsletter, and um, I, I haven't. I'll tell you, there's so many things to learn. That I, I love that I love that I'm not good at. I am not good at building audiences online, like online audiences. Like I, I've actually lost subscribers because I actually subscribed the people that are my you know, my greatest friends and my biggest supporters over the years, I subscribed to the initial thing. I didn't 
ask them. I just put them on the list. I, I probably just, I'm now going to jail because I, that's not legal. Um, but, uh, so my list has gone from, I think about 2000 subscribers to now it's down to like 1800. <laughs> so, so, so I'm paring the list down. It's not growing. I, you know, like whatever it is, what it is. And I get great feedback from the people that love it. They love it. And the clicks and the people that are clicking on the links and the things that I'm sharing. And it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's, it's very similar to what I described about the podcast. I don't ever really want to sit down and write the uh, copy. Like when it comes due, I know it's due on the first or thereabouts. And uh, I, it's not like I have this burning desire. Oh, I can't wait to sit down and write the newsletter. But I have a, I have a commitment. I, I described it the other day as a ruthless, a ruthless commitment to producing that podcast. I mean, that uh, newsletter in spite of how I feel because mm-hmm. my feel, my feelings, my feelings betray me. Um, and, uh, if I, if I let my feelings run the show, it would, it would be like the tail wagging the dog. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I sit down and write it and I always love what it turns into. I don't know what's going to really come out of it. I take notes during the month and, think about the things I want to share. This month I shared, uh, I have an upside down trape- yoga trapeze, yoga sling that I use for stretching my hips and I shared a TV show called Fauda and um, some quotes. Super oh, fun. That's good. It's very light. It's very short, very pithy, very things that people can li- click on and buy or get or use. And Are you using a uh, social media outlet for that too? So... After I send it out to the list, I then publish it. I publish the previous month on Medium, and I share that in Instagram or in Facebook or whatever. I share the previous month, and at the top of the articles in the previous month, it says, if you like this newsletter, you can subscribe. Go here to subscribe, and you can get the current month. I usually just take my thoughts. If I feel something, and I talked about this on your show, if it's there and I have a thought, I just take it right to Instagram. When it comes, I'll just be driving and pull over. Yeah, right. We, I remember you said that, yeah. Because it's like, they don't just hit. Right. I can't just go, okay, I need to make, it's two o'clock on a Tuesday. Okay, I need to make a post. Let me sit down and go, okay, hmm. Yeah, right. What, what do I write about? Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure if I forced it, something eventually would bubble up. Yeah. But I, I kind of, I, I use I use my Instagram posts, I guess, as a form of like the newsletter. Plus, um. That's more time. The newsletter? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's more time. It is. Takes me. Hmm. Let's see. How long does it take? It takes about four hours to write it and edit it and grab the pictures and the links and make sure it's not. I haven't made too many grammatical mistakes. So. But there's a flip side to it. I enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. Like while you're actually doing it, right? And yeah. Writing and putting forth and designing how to look and doing the hyperlinks. It's all it's all kind of like, uh, I don't know, quality work in a way. There's a discipline about it, and I find that if I if I'm not on the hook for something publicly, like that, I tend to not give it as much attention. I need to I need to put myself on the hook Mm. for okay people are expecting this you got to do it and 
it's not because I don't want to do it. It's because that leverage, I've leveraged that over myself and said, okay, well, this is what you're doing, dumbass. Now get to work. This is what you said you'd do. Yep. Now do it. You know, like your garage, yep. this would be a hard thing for me to accomplish and get done because I don't have leverage over myself to take my garage and make it this nice. My lever is my wife. <laughs> and she's telling me what to do and that doesn't work so well. <laughs> yeah, well this didn't, I mean this didn't, this was also a process. Right. And right. a feeling and and a, um, I don't know how to really put it, but like I'm like an unstoppable assassin when it comes to finding what I feel is right. Mm-hmm. And I'll wait. Like this floor, you look, oh, there's a floor. But I can't tell you how many hours I spent looking at floors and paying attention to floors and looking at size and material, color, mm-hmm. location, cost. Like I became a floor expert. Right. You know? Right. I became a cabinet expert looking yeah, for, exa- like looking for the, uh, even podcast equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, doing the podcast for years, I didn't, really, I didn't really know. I sat down, hey, Michelle, what's up? Oh, thank you for the mic. I didn't really pay attention. Yep. And so it became an, like a, almost like a, a, a basic, I don't want to say expert because it's more of if you have a beginner's mind to keep going, you don't really ever, in my opinion, become an expert. I think an expert, maybe if you have a, a little bit more information than, than someone that doesn't, I don't know, define it as you will. My point being is being, is being very thoughtful and taking the time to pay attention and letting it grow organically. Yep. But for me, I need, I, this is a clean water to me. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if my wife just drops something off in the middle of that floor over there, some an Amazon box or something, or some kids' toys, Mm -hmm. that's like a drop of oil in my water. Right, and that's like, uh, and it starts. I had to root all the way back to the beginning and start with the studs in the garage, and then defend this with my sword and my shield against the clutter that builds. Yeah, that that I mean that is really key is defending your space and uh you know, I have an open space in my gym in my garage that is a very small version of what you've got in here. And it's where I have my squat rack and kettlebells and stuff and invariably space gets filled up. It just as you I mean like it's empty space and so it's available and you know, I mean, nobody's trying, nobody's intentionally trying to sabotage my space, including myself. I mean, I use it and I'll set something down in it. I, I have to go back and be ruthless about protecting that space so that it's there, so it's available. Yep. I also want to point something out, though. I'm not attached to anything. So as stuff comes in, I, I will let stuff go. Yeah. Like, this table can go. I don't know. It's like if you someone stole my car, I'd be like, oh. That's well, I think, I think you said it beautifully when you were talking at the beginning about your books and how you like to, instead of collecting books on the shelf, you like to actually give away books that you've, you've dog-eared and you've written in and you've mm-hmm. taken notes in and that are meaningful to you. You'd like to actually give those away. And I, I'm not as good as that as you at that. Like I collect things more. I have many more books that I don't part with. And, uh, I think it's a cool, I think it's really a cool, um, practice. Well, try something, take something that you think is important to you and give it to somebody you love. 
Yeah, I'm starting to sweat just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and no, not because it's just because it's so different. Not yeah. because I because I love the idea of that. Like, yeah, wow. Well, as soon as we wrap up, I'm going to give you some stuff <laughs> so I can open up some clutter in here. <laughs> you want can a I, stroller? Can I make a list? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, so speaking of, um, uh, before I uh, send the show off on, on a last story, where can the listeners find you? Um, I'm very unoriginal. Andy Petronic is basically all my handles. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Whole Life Challenge is, you know, you find my bio there. And andypetronic.com is my website. And you can subscribe to the podcast. I'm sorry, you can subscribe to the newsletter. And I also do, um, uh, during the, while the Whole Life Challenge is going on, I film these bodyweight workout videos, one, one a week. And I've accumulated now like 35 of them. And they're all on my website. So the, all, the whole list of all these bodyweight workouts, they're follow along videos, so you can do them with me. Um, they're fun, they're light, but they're actually hard, you know, and um, they don't they don't require any equipment or any, you know, anything else. So, so I could pop it on my computer and, and race against you? Yeah. Yeah, oh, you nice. probably beat me. Well. You, you, it, most of them I've done so that they're, they're you know, like AMRAPs or they're, uh, um, you know, every minute on the minute or they're, they're ways we work out together. We, yeah. work, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't really race against each other. We're... Or yeah, I guess you could, you could, because you're trying to beat my score. But yeah, you know, I'm not uh, right now in my life. I'm not interested in winning. Like it's not right now. Movement to me. So take for example, I just put on the Instagram story of uh, Cindy style five pull ups, ten push ups, fifteen squats, mm-hmm. and then I decided to do a round of that every forty seconds. So okay. ultimately, twenty minutes of that, like it would be a thirty round Cindy. Yeah, that's tough. So setting that clock, and then. It was usually take me like twenty eight to thirty seconds each round, mm-hmm. but the movement Kip, kipping pull ups. No, well, I would say if you can't do strict, then do kipping. You just, right, but I I just I do strict all the time, so it's five strict pull ups per round is like got it. It I, that was never a choking point for me. Yep, because I developed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing the movement, and so the beautiful thing that I'm looking for isn't necessarily trying to get 30 rounds and and beat a score doing the movement i'm thinking of one i have the ability to move and i'm just enjoying moving my body through space and time Mm -hmm. to be able to pull myself up onto a pull-up bar i have hands i have fingers i have opposable thumbs to be able to do push-ups i've lost that i've hurt my wrist before and i couldn't do push-ups so enjoying that process and then squats there's times i've hurt my back and my knee and i couldn't do it Mm -hmm. and there was a time where i couldn't even go below parallel so enjoying and having being deeply rooted in the gratitude for movement and how movement itself is a gift. So being completely mindful of that every single rep. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, now introduce moving along with your heart rate and your breath. Mm-hmm. So having the three of those dance together. Right. And then being aware of blood pressure and understanding that you can relax your face, that you can mm-hmm. relax your neck, you can relax your scalp. And that each movement actually has built-in rest. So it becomes like this poetry and this flow of like the, the beautiful gift of having a physical body. Yeah, right. So that's what I mean. Do I, am I winning? I don't care. You're, you're winning by doing. Yeah. By just being in the game. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about that. I love that. He, he's like, you know, people are obsessed by thinking about did they make the right move? 
or making the right move or waiting until they do it perfectly. Or He's like, who's to say that the act of doing isn't the right thing, whether mm-hmm. you do it right or wrong? Like, perhaps it's the act itself that is the... That yeah. is the right thing, in spite of it being cockeyed or the wrong, yeah. quite not quite the right direction. Yeah, perfect, or or as Logan says, you know, the standard. Yeah, the the that that idealism moves. You can't attain it. You're never going to catch it. Right. But trying to is where where the joy is. Yeah. So when I'm doing those movements, that's what I'm saying. That's and that's where my mind is, and that's where I'm exploring my own physiology and my, and, and then how the deep thinking that's involved in it. Because you just doing that stuff without pressure and just pushing yourself is like fascinating. Because you can actually enjoy that. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to suck. Not being able to do it sucks. I don't know. I would challenge you on the 24th, 25th round. Uh, it's going to be pretty sucky. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> but here's the thing. You're, are you, you're breathing hard? Yes. Are you uncomfortable? Yes. Are you okay? Yes. Yep. Right. So now it, it how you frame it, like, oh, my, my legs are starting to hurt. Sweet. I can feel my legs. Yeah, right, right. So that's where, like, a negative thought comes up. And I, that negative thought, I swarm it with positive ones. It's going to bubble up, but I, I fill it immediately up with something positive. Yeah. Because I'm not going to allow my own thoughts to turn me into a victim. Right. Like, I have a shield and I'm going to earn it. Yeah, I love that. Well... I got to introduce you to someone I just had on my podcast. She wrote a book called The Finish Way. Guess what that's about? Yeah, Sisu. Sisu, yep. yeah. And uh, she was a great guest. I don't know why I didn't... I even told her I was going to introduce her to you, and I haven't done it yet. Um, oh, there we go. Her name is Katja... Katja... I can't remember her last name. It's a great book. I mean, since I read her book, I have not taken one hot shower since reading her book. Like, I'm such a weenie when it comes to cold water and being cold... Probably because I have low body fat. I've I've had this story my whole life since I was in Navy Navy dive school that I wouldn't that that's my weak link. So it, of course it is. Um, I don't know which came first the the fact that I'm affected by cold or my thought that I'm affected by cold. It's definitely your thought. Yeah, because you're fine. And so now I it's been two months two yeah maybe two and a half months where I because I just haven't given myself the option if I get in the shower. I don't have hot water. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. And that, that's made it very easy for me to, to do it. Whether I've just sweated through a workout or it's cold out and I have to take a shower, it's cold water. And um, I was very inspired by her description of different environments of Sisu and yep. how that you know, transpires. Yeah, we've works. become soft. Yeah. In fact, you should check out episode 18 of the Sisu Way. I talk a lot. I have, a, I have a, uh, my buddy who's a certified Wim Hof instructor and we broke down the podcast into breathing, uh, cold exposure. Talked about all that stuff in mindset. You tell all kinds of story about the cold. I'll I'll put that out at the top of my list. I, you know, it's funny. It's about a year uh, last January. I basically stopped listening to any podcasts because I'm listening to Jordan Peterson. Like mm-hmm. I can't stop listening to his lecture series, and I miss. Like I haven't listened to an episode of your podcast and. Since January, I haven't listened to episode of any of the podcasts that I really love, uh, and, and it's not because I, I don't know. I'm just really into this. Nothing wrong with it. Whole, no, it's it's really cool. Yeah. It's really really cool. Like, it's a deep dive into these. I mean, everything he posts is a two and a half hour lecture. 
it's mm. dry as crap, but he makes it interesting for me and fun. Like I'm listening to one now, the the biblical series, which is 15 two and a half hour lectures on stories of the Bible, of the Old Testament of the Bible. So, um, well, now I got to listen to it. <laughs> I need more hours in the day. Yeah, like yeah. it's like I'm I'm doing that instead of reading. I'm doing. I mean, like. I, that's the only thing I was telling you. I have a new sauna in my house, and uh, if I go in the sauna, Jordan Peterson pops on, and I'm listening to Jordan Peterson. So I don't. We could keep going because we want. I want to talk about the sauna too, man. All right. So really quick, you have a sauna. I have a chest freezer full of really cold water. We need to team up. You know, we could drive to your house, do the hot, <laughs> drive really back to the cold. Yeah, I mean, I could probably stick to sauna in my car. And no, come over. I've actually brought it up. I brought it up to my wife about wanting to put a sauna out here so I could do both. Yeah. And she, you know, men know the look that I'm talking about, the look that I got from my wife about it. So I, I know the look. Yeah. 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 That's, well, that's I'm why I work on her. That's why I didn't buy the barrel sauna. I bought the one person. It looks like an MRI tube. Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out. It's see. tiny and you, you barely fit in it. And it's a little, if you're claustrophobic, forget about it. You won't even think about it. But, um, makes me sweat like a big dog well works yep so we're gonna go into the into black ice as soon as we're done recording this boom um and i've first of all thank you thank you for coming on and thank you for being a a coach and a mentor for me for many years with or without your knowledge thank you thank you thanks thanks for your analysis of my life through a through a a lens that i can't see it through Mm -hmm. Hey, you're welcome. I'm standing up on a chair checking you out. <laughs> I love it. Um, and for the listeners, thank you very much. If you're still there with us listening, I know there's a lot of stuff out there competing for attention. There's everyone's in a rush. Everyone, there's a you know tons of podcasts out there now. And so if you're still if you're listening or if you're still there, thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate the the attention. You know that attention that you're giving is is a, a very important asset that we have. And so what you decide to pay attention to is what matters to you. And so if this show matters to you, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I really sincerely mean that. And the only little thing that I'll ask is if you do, hop on iTunes, hook it up with a review. And Andy, you know, I always feel weird asking for that, yeah. but I feel like it's a necessary evil. It's like a weird, I don't know. It only takes like, what, a minute, two minutes? I've been inserting ads in my thing, because we have some people that are now advertising on the podcast, and one of the ads is always my ask. Because I, I was doing these really long intros, asking yeah. people to leave reviews, and I decided, you know, I need to stop the long intros, get a short a short introduction, and then, um, so I stick them in to the middle. Of the, I don't I don't know which is better or worse or whatever. You know what I think I'm gonna do? Maybe I'll do this. If you guys start leaving iTunes reviews, and I'll I'll, I'll just randomly pick, I don't know the one that really, really hits me the most. And uh, I'll send you guys one of these little CC Way Tenants posters for free. Hook you up. That's and maybe, cool. if, especially if you have kids, it'll be good, great for in the kids' room or garage gym or something like that. So I did that with my with T-shirts and for a while. I got like 50 reviews what? on iTunes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I Handing did, out I posters here, guys. Is that what it takes? Yeah, that's what it takes. Bribery. Yeah. Not information. I did, a, I, did, I did a fan of the week. And I read the review on on thing on the on the air, and I uh, yeah I ended up with fifty or sixty oh, okay. like written reviews. All right. I'm gonna, so. I don't I don't believe that's gonna happen. So 
This is a test. <laughs> I'm having my own social test to see if that actually works. Cool. Uh, and you got to talk, but you got to talk about it. No, I will. And maybe at the beginning of the podcast, yeah, so because right. uh, people that make it to the end. I mean, you want people to review it that make it to the end, but you might yeah. bring it up at the beginning. Well, I do have I have great conversations with people that send me messages. I know the people that are probably the ones that would leave those good messages on yeah, iTunes. Right. They're, right. they're actually messaging me. And we're having conversations. Oh, cool! And having beautiful conversations there. Um, so if you don't mind, take that and put a little bit on iTunes. Hook it up. Uh, also follow the show at the CCUA and the CCUA.com. and you can find me at one Scott McGee on the Instagrams. Now, I've shared this story before, but I'm gonna share it on this episode mainly because Andy's newsletter is called Stepping Up. One day a farmer's donkey fell down into a well. The animal cried piteously for hours as the farmer tried to figure out what to do. Finally, he decided the animal was old, the well needed to be covered up anyway, and it just wasn't worth it to retrieve the donkey. He invited all his neighbors to come over and help him. They each grabbed a shovel and began to shovel dirt into the well. At first, the donkey realized what was happening and cried horribly. Then to everyone's amazement, he quieted down. A few shovel loads later, the farmer looked down the well and was, was astonished at what he saw. As every shovel of dirt hit his back, the donkey did something amazing. He would shake it off and take a step up. As the farmer's neighbors continued to shovel dirt on top of the animal, he would shake it off and take a step up. Pretty soon, everyone was amazed as the donkey stepped over the edge of the well and trotted off. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you guys for listening. And remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. So be unconquerable. And make sure you tell your family members you love them. Thanks, guys. <laughs>